Sounds good. I will, I will count us down. Um, wait, before I do, uh, lads, what, what number episode is it today? 39. Sorry, Mo, what was that? 38. No, it's not 38, bro. Peter's cheating. Yeah, sorry. Peter's cheating. No, Peter, how many are we on without checking? At least Mo tried. We're about to go going on to 39. This is our 39. At, at least Mohammed tried. Peter. You said 39 at the start. Huh? I said 39 at the start. What? Yeah, but you're oh, you said 39 at the start. I said 39, and then you don't play some mind trick on me, so I said 38. I asked you to say it again, and then you changed your answer. Yeah, because the way oh, you said it was wrong. No, no, I was, I was asking you to repeat yourself. But oh, I didn't yeah, hear. I knew it was 39. I thought, yeah, I thought Peter, I Peter was piping up, so I couldn't hear you. <laughs> yeah, Peter don't know what episode this is. Whatever, man. All right, cool. Mohammed, well, well done. Peter. Hey, man, right, bro. Podcast. <laughs> Slap yourself. What's going on world? Welcome to episode 39 of the Rhymes Like Dimes podcast with your boys Peter. Yo. Mohammed, you and myself, Yemi, and today we're joined by a very special guest, a contemporary in the podcast game, and the host of one of the best rap podcasts around right now. Um, along with having a unique concept of debating which classic '90s rap albums are the best, they've also interviewed everybody from Pharrell Munch and Master Ace to Just Blaze and Jerobi White, and we're very happy to welcome to the podcast. Camby Thandy, host of the Crate Area Weight podcast. Oh, big up, man. Big up. Look at that intro, bro. Come on, I don't man. Know about, I, I don't know about that, but yeah. Come I, on, I, man. I, yeah, thank you. Thank you, bro. And I, it's been a long time, Yemi, man. We've been trying to hook this up for a minute, innit? It's so, been a long time coming. It's been a long time coming. We featured yeah. a couple of times on your podcast, so it was only right yeah. that you came through. And for, thank you for coming yeah. down, man. We appreciate it. No, nah, man. I'm on it, honestly. Really a fan of the pod. Uh, just fan of your work, generally. So, uh Let's go, man. I'm here for this ride. I see, I hear this ride in your episodes, you yeah. boys going at it. So I'm here with some popcorn. I'm going to like settle in. <laughs> right, let's go. You're going to be a first, you're going to be a witness to the madness. It's crazy. That's it. That's it, man. That's it. But you know, no, seriously, man, big up. Uh, I appreciate it. I, I love this community. So it's quite nice that we can do this stuff and jump on and just chat about rap. And yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like you man. should be doing. So yeah, man. Yeah, Wicked. for sure, man. We're part of a massive community. So big up all the other podcasts that are involved as well. Um, we're all doing great things and hopefully it continues, man. For sure, so, man. For sure. Yeah, man. So, just going to get straight into it. Like, how's everybody's week been? Peter? Um, it's been cool, man. I ain't really been up to much. You know, just the usual. Shock. The usual, you know, just working. <laughs> just working. Um, and that's it, man. Nothing else, bro. Gemming here and there, and that's it. Gemming, yeah? Yeah. I was fortunate enough to um, be invited to um, a talk by um, Diaspora Darling, so big up them. Um, big ups. The industry, so that was really insightful. That was probably the highlight of my week. Mohammed, how was your week? It was a week. It was a Just week. It. it was a week. It moved. We move on. I worked. Came home. I worked. I came home. Like I wish I had an entertaining story to tell you guys. Like oh my god. <laughs> like yo, I was ripping and running. I wasn't. Yeah. Like generally, like yo, I just worked. I came. You might know that. Well, you're not. You're not a Beyblade, so you're not yeah, ripping. I mean, oh shit! Shout out to Beyblades, fam. There was one dragon I was in there that was wavy, but. Nah, I didn't really do much, man. I was just chilling, to be honest with you, man, really. Um, yeah, man, my week has been cool. It's just been busy. Um, busy with work, writing. I'm just pretty much the same to you, but it's another... I went to the Dice for Darlings talk as well. But other than that, I haven't really done much, to be honest. I just stay at home these days. 
Like, there's nothing to do past 10 o'clock. Like, restaurants aren't even open. You know what I'm saying? I was at my sister's house on Tuesday and I'd left just before 10 and I tried to go to the local KFC, but I just missed it. And then I got back to ends and obviously nowhere was open. So I just had to buy some milk and eat cereal. But, yeah, that sounds great. Very much so. To be honest, I wasn't that pissed because cereal at night is kind of banging. But um, what cereal? It was uh, cornflakes. Without sugar? No. Who has cornflakes without sugar? What kind of monster? Bro, listen, I just had to ask the question, man. It's Yemi, you know? Now that's backwards. Kind of you, you just of... never know, Yemi. You just never what know. So I had to kind ask. Of monster? What kind of monster eats cornflakes without sugar? Yeah, I mean, about you. Who eats cornflakes, first and foremost? To be fair, you could just have Frosties. And you Do you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying, man. But the thing with Frosties is, depending on which ones you buy, whether it's Kellogg's Frosties or, like, store Frosties, they're not that sweet anymore. They're not, like, coated in the sugar uh, anymore. Kellogg's Frosties are nice. I don't think so, man. They're kind of dry now. I'm what you call a cereal connoisseur, fam. Frosties, yeah, because yeah, I eat cereal. I had cereal yesterday at night. Frosties, um, yeah? If I tell you, you got to look at me like I'm an animal. Go on. I mix frost. I mix cornflakes with rice krispies. Uh, no, do you know what? I understand the idea. No, fam, I understand the idea, but not with cornflakes, though. Bro, these frost with frosties. I do. Nah, no, why though? Because frosties already has sugar, so you can't add sugar on top of your. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, but rice krispies don't have sugar. That's my point. But then you can't add sugar to your rice krispies because frost. It's just gonna throw it off balance. That's the whole point, though. No, you but add, then, add, you, add, you, add, you, add, you, add, you don't need to add sugar. No, but if you get cornflakes and you add Rice Krispies, you can add sugar to that free of, like, you know, without thinking. Yeah, but then if you, if sugar's already in it, you're lessening your workload. Then no, you don't add sugar. You can't have Frosties and plain Rice Rice Krispies need sugar. And yeah, cornflakes need sugar. I understand that. So you can't put sugar on top of your Rice Krispies when you're having Frosties because then you're adding sugar on top of your Frosties, which is diabetes. But what I'm saying is, if Frosties is already there, you don't need to add sugar, meaning... You, you do, because... You your milk faster. I feel more though because the Frosties aren't that sweet. They aren't yeah, that sugar-coated. Whereas with cornflakes, you can just add as much as you want. There we go. As sweet as you want it to be. Frosties now aren't that nice. And there's tactics to it. You've got to do cornflakes, Rice Krispies, and then a bit of cornflakes on top. I say, yeah, you're a monster. <laughs> there's tactics to this. You're a serial killer. Sometimes you've got to slap in the cornflakes and Weetabix. What? Hey, let's be, let me go started on cereal, bro. I'm, I eat cereal for banner. Like, I eat cereal a lot. Did you ever go to that cereal killer cafe in Shoreditch? No, nah, I didn't do all of that, man. I'm not paying, I'm not paying to eat cereal. I feel you. Are you been? Yeah, yeah, it's dope, yeah. But I'm also, I also keep it to the same ones I know. Like, even when we were in America, yeah, I, mean, I didn't really try anything else, but what I normally get. I can't remember, man. I can't remember your, your breakfast diet. But, um, we moved. It was Raskis Feast. Cam, what about you? Uh, well, I had some uh, golden crunch. So <laughs> I had some golden crunch. I have no idea where they're fitting into this argument, but I'm guessing it's a little <laughs> bit frosties. It's a little bit cornflakes. They're like a cousin. They're just on their own in the corner, and they're like that, those guys. Uh, yeah, so I had some of them. They were dope. Uh, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, no, it's actually been quite a good week. Um, we interviewed Elzai, which was really good. I really enjoyed doing that. So yeah, yeah. I was I was dope, and so that kind of took up my whole week. <laughs> you know, you just doing that. So oh, and then obviously the series that we've got. Out. I've been working hard on that. But generally, it's that and a bit of work on the side at the moment. It's yeah, uh, then then your day's gone, right? And then it's like, all right, what do I do now? So yeah, I've, yeah, 
kind of late nights and early mornings. So yeah, it's shattered, man. Not gonna lie, but <laughs> not gonna lie, but it's kind of worth it when you see the work afterwards, isn't it? It's just got to get your head down and get it done. But yeah, other than that, just the classic cereal banner. That was it, really, in the house. Just just chatting about what cereals were like. Yeah. You gotta have a good That's next episode. Yeah, for, for real, I man. You gotta have a good serial debate every once in a while, I guess. I um, know, man. But big luck on the outside, though. Um, is that gonna Thank drop you, soon? Man. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Uh, hopefully, in about, uh, I don't know when this is going out, but like in the middle of our series, just gonna drop it because, uh, yeah, we, we've been trying to get it for ages, and I was like, yeah, it'd be nice to just drop it whenever we can. So, mm. yeah, hopefully soon, man. So, yeah, he's he's dope. He was wicked. I don't know if you've heard the new album, but I really yeah, like that new I album. I that as well last week. Sounds yeah, Sounds yeah, it's got bars, man. Um, yeah, hits home after a, like it takes three or four listens to me, and then I'm like, oh, I'm getting it. You know the concepts and that. Like, yeah, first listen to be a breeze, but yeah, man, that's me. That's me, man. <laughs> You're there, man. Yeah, I need to check out that Elzai project. Um, from what I've heard, it seems like it's uh, some dopeness. So definitely good on my list. But there's so much music, man. There's so much music. There's so much podcast. Sure. There's too much to like. Where do you even begin? But to move on to our next topic of what we've been listening to this week, <laughs> P.O., would you like to go first? Um, yeah, man. So I had to write it down just because I can never remember what I listen to throughout the weeks. Um, so obviously I've been listening to Benny the Butcher's new album, which is, um, I think I was raving about it in the group chat. I said probably album of the year. For me right now, probably album of the year. Um, and I'm very confident in saying that. Give, give, say, was... Given that we're in October, I don't think it's that bad of a shout. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I know that's a whole other debate, but I'm going to just throw it out there. Right? Why are you even justifying uh, it before uh, you even had a chance to argue? <laughs> <laughs> I would say you, it's, it's too easy because it's in October. You could still be spinning it in two months, but right now, who's spinning Pray for Paris right now? Like, still. And that came out, what, four or five months ago? Yeah, me, uh, me too. But, but uh, generally, mm. out of my mates, it's got a bit of a disadvantage because it came a bit early for me. Like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, but you know, we're gonna come back to that. I need to come back to the argument, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, I've been listening to Black Thought Streams of um, Thought Volume Three as well, which is which I've really enjoyed. Um, huh? Nine. Um, I checked out Alicia Keys's new album, which I sort of liked, it was all right. Um, what else have I been listening to? Um, Music Soul Child had a mixtape where he was covering, um, a Prince song, an MJ song, and a Marvin Gaye song over Dilla beats, and I just thought it was dope. Just sounded really good, um, and that's that's pretty much it, man. It's been a quiet week musically for me. So that's pretty. You saw Chance still make music? Yeah. I thought you turned into a rapper. Yeah, I think that was for like one album. I don't know what he was thinking there, but yeah. What's the name of that project? With um. Uh, it's called. I'll find out and tell you afterwards. I don't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, no, it's good though. Sounds good. Shout out to Music Soul Child. Yeah. Mohamed, what about you? I wish I could say I was listening to music, new music, but I haven't been. Because um, I've been working, I've been listening to what I know, to be honest with you. You know, when you just work so much, you ain't got time to digest new music. So today, I rinsed through a Boogie's album, Hoodie Season, again, just because I want to, it's been a while. So I, realistically, all I've been really listening to is a Boogie this, like the last few days anyway, just because I, I know Peter hasn't listened to him, but we move. Just been checking out a boogie this week, the last few days, to be honest with you. Peter looks so disappointed in me whenever I said that. Well, you like what you like. Like, he just looks disappointed. Like, he was expecting me to throw Black Thought out there, fam. Like, he just looks. Bro, uh, you listen to whatever you want to listen to. I'm not going to. I thought you, I thought you. No, yes, I've been in the young, innit? Yeah, he is. 
Is it Yin and Yang? Yeah. Yeah, so like literally the last few days I've been listening to A-Boogie, whether it's hoodie season or jungle. That's what I've been listening to recently anyway, the last few days. What about you? I do think you are the biggest A-Boogie fan that has ever lived though. I don't think I'm a massive fan of A-Boogie like that. Mm, I think I'm sure the only A-Boogie fan. I mean, that's not true because it sounds like London, but that's neither here nor there. Um, anybody could do a bigger show than Blackfoot right now in London. Can I just put that's number one? <laughs> We're not having this conversation. Number one. Like, no disrespect to. I'm, I'm going to be real with you. I'm not having a conversation because I won't be able to. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? So I just would not. I don't want to get into it. No, I played. Um, but yeah, that's what I'll be listening to. But I wouldn't say I'm a massive fan of A-Boogies, personally. But yeah, man, as for me, uh, yeah, I've, I've been kind of light on the, on the music listening front, to be honest. I've been listening to podcasts this week. But. I managed to, well, not managed to, but I've more or less been returning to albums. So Benny the Butcher's album, gave that a second listen. Still really, really dope. Um, I've been listening to uh, Car, Descendants of Kane as well. Really, really like that album. And that mad thing is, like, I was late to that album. I think I only listened to it for the first time, like, a couple weeks ago. But I haven't been able to stop listening to it because it's really, really dope. Big ups, that one. Um, I also returned to Boy in the Corner as well. Um, just because... Hadn't listened to it in a while, so wanted to listen again. It's still sounding fresh, still sounding dope. And yeah, no more words need to be said on that. And I've also been listening to Little Sims's radio show, 101 FM. So when she dropped her EP, Drop Six in July, or June or July of some sort, um, she did this five-episode radio show to basically promote the project. And um, we just got it onto Kiki, so I've just been listening to the, the five episodes, and yeah, man, they're really dope. Um, there's one episode, I think it's the second one, where she does a freestyle over the Shook Ones beat, um, and it's, it's fire, it's fire. It's already on her mix cloud, but that episode will be up on Kiki next Thursday, so check that out when you got a chance. So uh, yeah, that's pretty much me. What about you, Cam? Uh, yeah, man, no, first of all, I need to check out that little Sims project, it sounds wicked. Um, mm. But music-wise, Benny, for sure, um, Jesus Christ, man! Sly Green is like just banger, one of my bangers of the year. Love that track. Um, and what else has been going on? I think Clipping dropped something new, which I kind of checked half of the album, and it was like pretty much. I don't know if you guys went to Clipping, but that was quite hard. That mm. was kind of what you get. Um, and then uh, oh, um, Savage Mode, the chopped and screwed version. Um, which, <laughs> the chopped and screwed version. Yeah, like I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of like I don't, I don't know much about that world, but um, I really like Savage Mode. So I was like, oh, my checking out that uh, uh, chopped and screwed version, and it's just brilliant, man. It's so good. Uh, so that's been on heavy rewinds. And the last one was David Wolves. I was listening to that album again the other day. I don't know if you have you heard guys heard of David Wolves. No. I reckon you might. I reckon you might enjoy him. Any, you guys are Kanye fans, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah, it sounds like the school of that, but um, it's almost like it almost mimics it at times. But I kind of like it, and he's from Florida, and I, I don't know. I heard it a few months ago, and it just came on shuffle again. And I thought I want to check the project out. And then yeah, last two days I've kind of just been bumping that, and um, and yeah, that's it, man. That's it. That's that's been me. So a little bit of new music, a little bit of old music, but you know what I mean. I hear that, so, man. I can never really truly get into the chopped and screwed movement. It's just like. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's you just, know what yeah. I got? It, I, I didn't get it through hip hop because I, I like electro and dubstep and stuff as well. So some of that is a little bit like off kilter. 
And mm. I think that's how I got into Chopped and Screwed because it's just off kilter. And if I, if I, because I like rhyming, and that's not really what that's about, really at all. It's more about, well, just being really high on cough syrup, I think, and just, just, do you know what I mean? And just vibe. Vibe, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 40 years old, so I can't use words like the vibe, like vibe and shit. So <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go the long way around, and you just fill in, yeah, that's. <laughs> You just fill in the blanks, we'll fill in the blanks, basically. <laughs> that's it, man, that's it. But yeah, man, that's me. Hear that, man. Sounds good. I mean, obviously, very eclectic from all of us. Um, and shout out A Boogie as well. I'm sure he's doing well. That was unnecessary. <laughs> unnecessary. That was what? very necessary. Because, man, I'm talking Black Thought and Benny out there, and I want to talk for the other people in this world. We're shouting out a random man fan. Yeah, because he's the only one you listen to this week. And to be fair, I've given A Boogie a chance. I listened to that album where he did um, collabs with like international artists. I think yeah. it was like a year or so ago. It was like, it, but didn't make me want to go back to him, you know what I'm saying? But shout out that man, innit? Hey, man, I'll go back to it. I'm an A Boogie fan. So, what we're going to get into now then is Cam. <laughs> Tell us about yourself, bro. Tell us about your journey with hip hop. And how the podcast came about, all of that, bro. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Uh, I suppose it's a bit different to you guys, because I was born in a village. I, well, not born in a village. I was I brought up in a village. So the mentality is just completely different to, like, city. And I've been in London since 99. So, yeah, so, so you know, long enough to feel like that's, like, you know, my favourite city kind of thing, just because it's there and that. And, and I lived there and I worked there. So comparing the two especially moving to the 18 19 years old at prime time you know you're ready to go out i remember going to uh, again show my age but temple subterranea these places that um i think hip-hop heads kind of find themselves quite easily it, probably it's easier now probably but back then it was like okay the kind of cloud of green in the corner bumping like beats you know that's kind of hip-hop heads and once you get into that mode it was like yeah let's and all of my Londoners and big up all my boys uh, from like South, basically, they were all South or East End and just show me all the best places to go. Brixton, um, Hackney, Hackney was wicked, but fucking grimy. <laughs> I mm. mean, like, holy shit. Okay. Like it's not like that at all, but Hackney Downs back in the day, I haven't seen Clash the Cop and Hackney Downs a few times. And yeah, like you talk about thumbs out and that's, ex- but that was what made that music so fucking good man for me and sorry for swearing I don't know if I swear but uh yeah um and, and yeah so moved from in the village it was kind of like west side got me into it west coast stuff so it was really snoop uh went from snoop pack and then to biggie nas woo and then try to school myself as much as possible when with only yo mtv and the source and hip-hop connection and those were my only outlets like I remember like putting 36 chambers in my mates like cd in the car and it lasted about 38 seconds. And he just got away, get that. What is this? And they didn't understand any of it. Uh, it was one good for me to try with Woo, because that's not the easiest in. Uh, I should have gone, gone Snoop or something like that. But yeah, man, London. And then came to London, working in radio. Uh, and just the scene here was sick. Deal Real Records. Places like that where um, just it was a community. And, and I think that's the... Like, you go to shows. I'm sure you boys have it now where you go to enough shows like you're going like what so many a month like 15 shows a month probably like you're going so many to them and you see like all the same people after a while you start chatting 
and and then just getting schooled on a lot of hip hop that I didn't know about, especially UK hip hop. When I was came to London, I really heard about Rodney P, Black Twang, uh, Ty, uh, just everyone like Klashnikov, all these people, and just just fell in love with it. And then just kind of it was weird because my mates were MCs, DJs, producers, like they worked everywhere, and it's weird because you get get to go to like shows with them and. Like it's just odd. I don't know if you there was a few shows like people called Organics in Cambridge, and that was a real big thing. But then everyone would go from London to Cambridge to go see Ice T or like the biggies like Pharaoh Monch or whoever is touring. They try to book the top top level, and it was like in a weird like car park in in Cambridge somewhere called the Junction. Ice T's there, and you're like Jesus, man, and like yeah, and that was it. And then and then did radio, worked in. A bit six music worked uh, for Five Live doing sport. Uh, did Football Weekly's podcast. I don't know if you know the Guardian Football Weekly podcast, but I produced that first season. I really got into podcasts. Left all the game, went off, tried to do a business on my own, running a off license in Scunthorpe. All right. Yeah, it's 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 just a wild move. I was like, let's try to make a business. You know, try to follow an entrepreneurial kind of thing. My family all has that. Didn't really fall in love with it, I'll be honest. Uh, I like the idea of community, which is cool, that a shop can give you, because you're bumping Bob Deep, and like a 15-year-old comes in, they're like, what is that? Yeah, this guy, like, he used to know who Bob Deep are. And, you know, that kind of weird dialogue you get, like, from little villages is quite cool. And then came back down here, and I'm at Bleacher Report at the moment, Bleacher Report Football, and, yeah, started the podcast back to just under two years ago now. So, yeah, did that, and, yeah, it's just been a hell of a ride, man podcasting like you guys are showing it's it's just a new era for it if you know what i mean it's just like um you cater to everyone's taste and that's what you know again like because i'm out of the loop on a lot of the movies like kano or like people i used to listen to but i just don't I, you know with everything else i don't get time to read up on stuff or like i used to like line the notes or like even not even that like just knowing what the latest stories are so hearing stuff like you guys and other pods are out there shotgun the yorks and all that like it's nice to keep in touch and be like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. And I like the fact that you guys get into interviews as well, because getting to people that I don't maybe really know, and getting to know those people and how vital they are to like a section of this music, especially British music. I feel like yeah, like Black British music is it's come up massively to where I was as a kid, but I still think it's got some way to go. I really think there's more to come. Like you see Stormzy at Glastonbury, and like okay, like all my makes granddads now know who he is but really i do think there's another level to come i don't know what that is but i do think like this is the start of something where like people i know who don't even like grime are trying to tell me about top boy at work like it's their favorite show and i was like this is it's weird how it's permeating loads of different pop culture if you know what i mean and i feel like um, it's just an extension from the music and that's beautiful man it's like the culture isn't just what you listen to it's also you know living your life that's your life man and that, this is people's lives. And I feel like uh, just to see that growing and getting the shine and people getting their, you know, dues, I think is, is, is sick, man. I think it's sick. For sure, man, for sure. Even when you look at stuff like Nines and Heady One having number one albums now, you know, it's kind of what you say about, you don't know what kind of form it's going to take, but you know, it's just going to get further. But I very much feel the same way, man. I feel like everyone's winning now. Everyone's thriving. But you seem to have, like, come up in a time of, like, great community as well. Like, you obviously came through the golden era as well. A sense of community, like like you said, about going from London to Cambridge to see Ice-T. Um, 
I feel like it doesn't really exist in this, in like our generation as much, but I suppose that's just like the golden era of like hip hop and stuff where it was, everything was just so new and so raw. And, you know, you, you saw some of the greatest just live doing their thing as well. So I feel like you definitely have like lived through a dope time. It's interesting. Thank you. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I love talking to guys who are a little bit younger like yourself. And I work with a lot of young people just to hear that. That's interesting to me that you're saying that um, the community maybe isn't. I find the community now is just a bit different, but it's the first time, man, in years. And I'm talking like about six, seven, eight years where I felt a real sense of community after moving from London as well. Like I didn't really, there is no community up there like uh, for rap and hip hop. Uh, but what I realised with the pod is the social and online community, however much I used to like not be on socials too much, just our growth shows there are people out there, man, like just wicked, like really positive energy. That's what I'm kind of about. I, I can't have that negative energy. I think it's a there's a wicked Conway lyric on um, the Lulu EP. And uh, man, I've been rewinding this lyric all, like all the time where it's like, uh, I love you, man but I just don't need that energy. And he's talking about his mate who's trying to help him out, but he's being like negative and it like doesn't help him grow. And that hits me. And I'm like, oh, I need is that positive. And Twitter ain't the way to find positive energy all the time. But amazingly, we have. Amazingly, for all the rubbish we get for the stuff we post and how, you know, our show is and, you know, people that you're always going to have a bit of people not liking it. But I also feel like, tenfold more there's people who would genuinely really like it and it's uh i think that community is there but it's just a different form now and like yeah, it definitely migrated to online now i feel like like just mm. stuff just stuff like twitter you know reddit stuff like that like the the community is obviously mutated into different ways and different forms of communicating and just like showing their love as well and that that goes into like podcasts and stuff like that and these fans are now starting to like make content and that kind of just pays tribute to those communities and stuff so mm. definitely like a dope movement going on right now for sure yeah man love it I'm not, I'm not really um i guess how i experience the communities is a bit different because i'm not on any socials sure. so i think a lot of the time it might be via mo or yemi introducing me to people and just being amongst their friends as well i guess that's how i get a feel for what the community is currently like anyway um, but it does seem as though it is online now like, it seems like there's a massive shift now even in, like when i'm on youtube and i'm just going through the comment section it could be something as small as that that you can build a community up within because if you're like listening to an artist on youtube that you really enjoy it and then you go through the comments and see that like, loads of people enjoy it too it's just like that's how you form communities as well just even through some small things like that social media it's made the world so small like, i don't even know there was a hip-hop community podcast until we started the podcast and then you just see how small it makes it. And it's just mad how it happens. Like, I genuinely didn't know there was a... I knew there was an avenue, but I didn't know how many people wanted it or who else was doing it and the love people show to each other. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's genuine. There's no falsehood. Mm. And it just shows you how tight-knit it is and how small it is, which is actually really sick to see, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, man, no, not, I had no idea... Sorry, Mo. I had no idea, like, the amount of UK hip-hop podcasts that were. Like, I literally had no idea. I thought we were going to be like one of like three or four. You come to find that there's there's loads, and you know mm. they're, they're doing things not, not that much different from ourselves. Mm. You know what I'm saying so it's nice. And everyone's got their own avenue. Like we're not all doing the same thing. That's it. Mm. You get like, little things from so many different places. You get certain things from us, the crate, and whomever else. It's, it's nice, man. It's a nice feel. We're all supporting each other too, which is which is always mm. dope as well. In America, it's like crabs in a barrel type. 
But here, it doesn't feel like that so much. Yeah. Mate, that, that's exactly what hip-hop's about for me, is, like, one of the part of it is the community. Like, it's, it's how we got into the music, as I got into the music as a kid. Like, I felt something in that music that I couldn't feel in Bon Jovi or Queen or whatever anyone's was doing. You know what I mean? Like, these kids are listening to at that age. Uh, I remember hearing, like, even someone like Crisscross, and I was like, oh, wow, I feel, I feel something different in this. And then it's when you hear them greats, you start realising, oh, wow, I feel there's something in this music that's, that's different to everything else that's affecting me uh, personally. And then when you find someone else who's got that same, like, connection, that's your mate, like, your community then. And then, and then I, I honestly feel like hip-hop has grown from that. It always has. Like, you know, DJs, everything, street teams, all these people have come through community. And, and man, yeah, that's, that's uh, it's just a beautiful thing, man. Just hope it doesn't end like anytime soon because it's like it feels good, but you know that it's like something, especially when you've been around for a while, especially with music, you see the waves of music, like you realize there's a cycle to it, or there's like, like oh, something's on the come up now that's banging, but you know, in a few years, it ain't going to be and it's going to make something else. And I just like living in that moment now, like, like the, the yeah, like that independent hip hop moment right now. I love it, I love this moment we're living in. The music, there's like you said, I mean, there's so much it's unreal but it's so good as well like this year's got some sick albums and every year i tend to be saying that which is which is nice which is a wicked thing do you have a top five? Oh man yeah so i hope you noted me this so um <laughs> these are a little bit off the dome because i'll be honest i haven't made too many notes but i thought like top fives they change all the time anyway right so one of the things i've learned is mine kind of changes but if we're going us there's usually a resident three, which is Rakim, Doom, and Biggie. Usually it's those three. And I can't say many more things about those guys that have already been said, but formative and Biggie to this day, I, even for the limited amount of work he's got, I feel like there's not enough. You can't try to argue that down. And it's so hard like to argue because he kind of is perfect if you yeah hard to say that word i mean it's you know what is perfect there might not be that but it's it's close to it and uh yeah he's in there so this week i was like actually who is in my top five there's not many people I get that excited about as kendrick and he's an easy go-to but it's an easy go-to for a reason if you know what i mean like because he is clearly that much better and uh i get i remember when he dropped humble that morning, I must have played that video like 20 times, man. And again and again, I was like, I don't do this for anyone else. Like, really, like nowadays, someone drops like that. I don't get addicted to that like that. But um, so Kendrick's in there. And then my fifth, it, it may cause a few, uh, like, people throwing a bit of fire my way. Or, I, I was going to say Eminem, man. Come on. Okay. I apologize, bro. I've never come up Now we are put in. Yo, I, bro, That's... I just want the record to show I've never cut off a man after he says he's top five. Let me explain. <laughs> let me explain. Let me explain. That's true. You haven't. No, no, no. No, no, no. I apologize. Uh, this, you this... understand this. <laughs> this is the four. The, the four I was putting in at first, I was like, they'll be all right with that. I'll keep M for fifth. <laughs> let's see that little minefield. So I'm not gonna lie, I have put him in there. One genuinely has been in my top five for a long while, but also big for this. I kind of wanted the the, the <laughs> chat about this because, uh, like, okay, his last album is not that good. His last album before that is possibly one of the worst 
pieces of music I've ever heard generally. Like, <laughs> it is, it is so, uh, it's almost like he's mocking was all. I was like, this is a spoof though. Like, you wouldn't do this and you, you can't make that many excuses for it. It's just bad. And his reaction to having something out bad is even worse. It's like, bro, just own it. Like, own the L, take it, you're good. You've got so much credit in the bank, just take the L. And it's almost like, like when Nas makes a bad album, he don't come out and have a go at us for hating it. Like, he, well, he, he sometimes, but, but do you know what I mean? He ain't like petulant. And I feel like M got petulant. So I'm giving you your argument here. My argument is that even in all that shit that he has done, there are still moments in a track that I'm like, hold up, hold on a minute. And I have to rewind the wordplay he said. And I feel like, again, who's making me do that now? It's a very visceral reaction. And I don't, I, I can't check myself. Maybe it's just me being continuously 15 years old, <laughs> not understanding that, come on, get on with it. But like, I tell you who the only other person who does that, Andre, Three Stacks. When, when Three Stacks drops a feature now, before it even finishes, I tend to rewind that because I do think he's playing on a different, he's playing a different game, I feel. And not dropping an album just adds to that. But um, honestly, M is the only other one that where like Benny will drop great couplets. Uh, Conway's great. I like them. Their couplets are great. I love them. But is anyone making me do a screw face and go, hold on a minute, what? whilst I'm shaving? Not that much. Not that much. So I'm here. For, let's go, though. I want to well, hear. I, I feel you. Like, I respect. No, you're a better human being than me, and I'm gonna tell you why. No, I'm gonna tell you why. You're a no, I'm gonna tell you why you're a better human than being than me. You're giving Eminem the chance to rewind his verses. Since I've hit puberty, I don't think I've ever listened to an Eminem verse fully. Oh. I'm a 28 year old man now. Like, I'm never trying to knock Eminem like that. But the only reason why he's not in my top five personally, when you've been worse longer than you've been good, you're not in my top five. Yeah. Eminem, yeah. been, in my opinion, he's been worse. Long. There's no one else. That, there's no one else in my top five that can say nowhere near it. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? Like, there's no one have to break it down a bit, though, isn't it? I think. I think um, if we're talking about first of all, what's everyone's criteria for a top five? I think that's that very because if we're talking just like lyrically, then it's hard to argue that he's not in that conversation. Now, if we're talking about everything else that we encompass, then I can understand why people won't have him. And I think the argument is on the catalogue side, it's never the skill set, because no one is dumb enough to argue that he's not he's not an amazing lyricist. But I think it's the catalogue, it's the music. I think as we get older, a lot of the music that he made at the beginning of his career hasn't aged as well as other musicians. Mm. And that's where a lot of the critique comes in. Yeah. And that's just, this is me saying it, and then that's a nice way of me saying it. If I'm because I'm in a good mood too. If I was in yeah, the yeah, hate yeah. mood. I'll just be shitting on him. Oh, please. Yeah, can I ask your question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 you had a chance in episode 15, mate. So, no, no, but truth be told, man, Eminem's like, he's, he's a flawless MC, man. But like you said, it's about what I'm meriting my top five of, right? Yeah, Whoever yeah. merits their top five on stuff. Like, yeah. if I'm going to catalogue, those are incredible catalogues. Doom, Biggie, even Biggie's was quite small. Kendrick, their catalogues are deep. But yeah, like Rakib's catalogue is old. But I'm putting him in there because, again, when I hear Microphone Fiends, it's making me go, oh, what, what? And, and he, his latest stuff ain't that good, do you know what I mean? And, uh, or as good, at least. And it does get a bit formulaic and whatever. Like That's the argument I hear about Black Thought sometimes, where I'm like, I, I love Black Thought. But people, he does get a bit samey, though. And it is not like very, it's not pushing the, like, creatively, especially at the time like now, 
when you can make whatever you want. Like, I think people are sleeping a little bit on Denzel Curry's like latest like few singles because they're wild, but they're kind of nice to hear him go for that. Whereas some of these people ain't ever changing it. I don't think M is ever gonna uh, like. Doesn't have to. I don't think. I don't think. He, yeah, I don't think he can ever really make another great album unless he does a collab with. I don't know. I don't know. I think. I think. I think, I think he needs to stop making the beats as well because he's he's not the best beat maker. He's um, never been the best. I mean, he makes the beats for a certain audience, and that audience isn't me. Like, if you know what I mean, like, I ain't bumping that in the car. I'm not like, you know what I mean? Like, mm. it's like the last album. Like, there's a few tracks on there for sure. Absolutely. Put them on the bangers player of the year, playlist of the year. Let's go. But after a while, they get drowned out because there's so many more adventurous ways of making music that are coming out right now. And I feel like, um, it's kind of taken over the lyrical side, but if I was like hearing, if I was just in a mood for bars, I might visit it. But then even now, you have so many people dropping bars, right? So, but yeah, there you go. Um, Cam, can I ask you a question on, on Rakim? Because um, I don't mm. really tend to talk to that many people that throw him in there. I think mm -hmm. in like just doing my, my studies and just listening to some of my favorites, I hear them mention him, but mm. I don't know anyone like that's close to me or had a conversation with anyone that's put him in there. So I'm curious as to why. Because stylistically, I get it. I think for mm. everything that he stands for, just image-wise, um, his, his, his content, I love mm. it. Skill-wise, though, and no disrespect to him, I feel like mm. there are people that have come after him that have taken it to another level. So I'm I, curious I, to, as to why him. That's interesting you say that, man, because I feel still, and this is just being genuine, mm. and you know, I don't speak to people on rap Twitter, they're very different to what I feel, <laughs> but like genuinely... I don't think I have heard many MCs who it's it's hard to nail. We've tried this on the pod. We've tried to nail down why is it we love him so much. And all I keep coming back to is the prerequisite of flow. And Jigger's flow is amazing. Nas's flow is amazing. Does Nas switch his flow up enough, up enough for him to get there? Rakim's flow, just the way he's linking words and the rhythmic pattern to it, you could just nod your head to that and you sometimes don't even hear what he's saying it's just the way he's saying it that for me is one of the biggest things for me when i go back to and i do still listen to Rakim today because uh, i don't get that from many other people um and also it's obviously because as a kid that's what hit me hardest as a kid and i feel like some things that are seared into your mind you're never going to be able to um no one can take that spot it's like pack. Like I don't think I'll ever be obsessed of, by a artist as much as I was with with pack because um, who now has that mythos around them outside of hip hop, inside of hip hop, and is going on like he went on. Like for three years, he was just not caring, and he was in all the news. Like he was, he's a different level. Do you know what I mean? So there's no one can really touch pack in that and I don't even know if he can fit in a top five because because he kind of is bigger than a top five. Oh, it's hard to say do you know what I mean like it, it's like the Bob Marley effect or the do you know what I mean like you can't yeah. like you can talk about reggae you can talk about dancehall but does Bob Marley like get talked about in those conversations he's a bit bigger than that but I think he represents still a lot of that spirit so I don't know I don't know if I made any sense there by the way lads <laughs> just, it makes perfect uh, sense man. and of course everything is relative as well as obviously you Rakim was like a god for so long as well. And he's the reason why a lot of people are here anyway. So 
you, never, you don't necessarily want to deviate from like the source too much, especially if the source was the reason why a lot of the people that come after them are rapping in the way they rap. And I agree 100% on the flow as well. Like Rakim has a way of just like putting words together that is just like, you hang on to his every word. So I, I get anyone who puts him in there, uh, even if like, he might necessarily be to my taste, but I recognize that he is a pioneer. He might even arguably be bigger than a top five. Rakim? Yeah, yeah, arguably. maybe. Maybe, actually, in my school, I can probably see people saying that just because he was so fundamental. But I don't know, like younger off people that I know. Off, sorry to cut you off. Off influence alone, you could probably argue that. Yeah. Mm. yeah but then probably. Jigger's probably in there as well, right? Like, he's in mine, but if you're talking about influence, yeah, man, like, wow. And I mean, okay, his catalogue's got some dips, but. Yeah, he's still, he's still, still bringing stuff, and you think that's longevity as well. He's got, he's got that's better than Rackham's. Yeah, yeah, it's better than M's. You know what I mean? So Jay's, Jay's got to be in the conversation for sure. Um, but I come from the school that hated Jay, and then we loved him, and then we, you know, what I mean, <laughs> we hated him because he was just talking about money, and we were like, nah, nah, don't talk about money, man. We don't want to hear about like you do. You're doing well off rap. Nah, mate. <laughs> I don't want to hear about that. And then you get old, and you're like, that was so immature. Like, you know, why are we hating on him? Yeah. I actually remember, let me, I've got to tell you a story of the, when I realised the standard Jay-Z was at, because all backpackers hated him. Mm. We saw Talib Kweli at Subterranea, and Talib was just like, who likes Common? Who likes Most Death? Who likes Very Munch? And all the crowd's like, he goes, who likes Jay-Z? And the whole crowd just booed. Mm. Uh, in West London, everyone's just booing. And he just went, uh, Jay-Z will wrap rings around anyone. And you guys have no idea what you're talking about. Like Talib said that to a West London crowd in Subterranean <laughs> where we, you know, like I've been there a few times like when cannabis is giving it loads to the crowd and the crowd's like, nah, mate, just mm. whatever. And, you know, Talib said it and I remember he just reassessed a little bit and uh, I'm glad he said that because it really changed my thinking on Jigger. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, man, you can't, you can't sleep on what he actually can do. So, sure. yeah. What, what album of Jay-Z's was the one that made you feel like, yeah, I was crazy? Um, good, great, great question. Um, probably volume two was the one where I was like, damn, this boy's making hits mm. and he's making like the bars and, and staying true and all the references and all that. Um, and then, oh man, uh, yeah, but I think the one that certified him as top five conversation was Blueprint. That mm. summer in London, Blueprint, everywhere you went, like, I was like 20. And we were out all the time outside, going out, whatever, blueprint, all the time. That whole summer was just blueprint. And for a good reason, man, that, that banged. That album banged. Still banging, I think. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Do you have a UK top five? Yeah, this one's a bit tougher, man. This one was a little bit tougher because I felt like I should be adding some of the newer artists I'm listening to. But then I kind of felt like, I don't know, I don't, I don't have that kind of... Um, embeddedness i'm not embedded in their music to really have that i can't say that about kano because i slept on kano for quite a few years and now i listen to kano's projects i love them and i was like i don't know i don't know if i can say that about him because i don't know his earlier work as well so i'll put dizzy in there um purely for what he's done for, for british music as well as skills like you can see my top five is based heavily on, mm. on skills and catalog maybe not as much I'm not gonna lie. I might have danced the bonkers now and again. I may have been there Everyone dancing did, to holiday. Yeah, do you know I mean holiday, all that. But hey, listen, someone in this someone in this chat admitted recently that holiday is a banger. I won't say who. Oh, bro, I know. I will own that. <laughs> I, 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 I may back that. 
<laughs> bro, I was, <laughs> you made back that. I was skanking the holiday, man. I'm not gonna lie. I believe you. <laughs> See, he imagined himself. He imagined himself in the same white suit that Dizzy had in that video. In IB for whatever the hell he was, just doing his thing. Innit? No, that's a banger, man. I'm not gonna lie. It's that oh, breakdown. No. It's that breakdown at the end. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, bro. That was good. If I'm know. out, if I'm out, I've had a few cocktails, and that that little breakdown comes on. I'm dancing, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna have to, man. But yeah, no, I think Dizzy's in there. Obviously, you just said boy in the corner. I remember that coming out and. Yeah, and again, I, I, I really shitted on uh, Grime when it first came out. I was like, what is... The only thing I liked was, um, that's the word. Oh, no, that's the word. And that was the... I was like, wow, the video, everything about that, I was in. And then when 21 Seconds came out, I was like, what is this? Like, mm. the, like I hated it. I hated it. So, and Because it was on top of the pops. And I, and, I, and I was in London, but everyone was loving it. But it was just kind of us US hip-hop heads. Like in this weird hate for UK shit, which is rubbish. It's moronic when you think about it. And now I actually really like that track. And like, you know what I mean? This is my experience, my honest experience with like UK rap. Because what I failed to realise back then, it isn't UK. UK pop's one thing. This is a new thing. This is this is grime or what would come on to be whatever. Like even garage and stuff like that. Like it took me a minute. I was sleeping and I got there. Yeah. But like Dizzy's in there for, 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 and even the way Dizzy's going on with Ocean Wisdom's tracks, like, oh my days, like the way he is, yeah, it's crazy. Mm. Um, I'm going to go Clash the Cough. I've mentioned him a few times already, but I, I don't remember ever feeling like we had a British Nars until I heard Clash the Cough. And I was like, and I hate to compare people like that. I do, I don't, but, but it really was the same feeling of this guy's telling me stories from a community I'm not in, but I feel like I'm in there. He's got a crew that is like, uh, I don't know, I really enjoyed all of their features. And yeah, and I went to Clash Cops listening party for his new album that came out. And not a lot of people talking about it and a little bit subdued, but at the, it was just wicked going to the listening party and seeing him back and his mother passed away. So it was very, very emotional. That listening party was odd, man. It felt like you were in a family gathering and it felt, I didn't know if I should have been there, but everyone was really like emotional because of his, his mum and the whole album's about his mum uh, it's named after her and stuff so yeah I don't get that feeling much so Kalashnikov for me is up there as well uh, cannot not say Rodney P uh, Rodney P formative London Posse were one of the first groups I really heard when came to London and that was like five years after they'd been out so I was really like hearing that for the first time like British feeling proud, proud to be British as well like it weren't British rap trying to be you like US, it was like, nah, we're, this is us. This is this is us. And I'm not a, I'm not a Londoner. I'm kind of honorary Londoner. And, and that feeling of ownership, there's nothing like that, man. It's like it's like when your team do well. You're like, yeah, man, this is us. Like we're doing, we're winning. And what you said earlier, Yanni, about everyone winning. That's kind of how I feel now. Like it feels like us. We're owning this. This is our thing. And um, I think Rodney P really hammered that home for me. Uh, the last two, Skinny Man, because. Uh, well, I do think he's had the best UK hip-hop album out of all time, Council State of Mind. I, I, I did that record. I still play that record. and Thanks. Yeah, and Skinny is just a kind of myth around the UK hip-hop scene. I remember seeing him one of the first times ever was he was... <laughs> we were walking out and my mates were tooting. They were letting me know like what's going on and stuff. And he's skinny, clearly. He's no skinny man. And there was a massive bloke and they were starting on each other, like going at each other outside this club. I think it might be Sultrania. And I was like, what? That guy's going to get absolutely rinsed. And he's like, nah, skinny man. He'll, he'll sort himself out. 
And then you just see him. You'd see him at Deal Real. You'd see him. You just see him around. And it's not just that. I'm talking about his skills are great. He's like um, passion. That that feeling of realness. Like I get that from Chester P as well. I'm not sure if you guys like know much Task Force back in there, but that realness was there as well. So Skinny's in there. And then last one, it was a toss up between Chester P and Jest. So I can't, I can't pick, but I'm, I'm probably going to go Jest. So uh, UK hip hop again and. Just a man who I've spotted, like, again, one of the best UK pop albums, uh, England. That track, that album is is amazing. With that, oh, I can't remember what the album's called now, but uh, it's got England on it, that track I love. And, um, yeah, that's my five, man. That's my five. Dope, man. Dope, dope, dope. Yeah. Jess, man. No takedowns. No takedowns. No, 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 not at all, man, not at all. I was, I was even going to say, like, Jess, I haven't heard Jess in a top five, like, ever. So it's good to see him getting his props as well, like. And obviously, skinny yeah. man as well. Like, it's... love when you hear different top five. It makes it, it makes the side about it when you hear certain people that you've never heard or that you don't normally hear. Where it's just like, I get it, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would have loved, oh, but I get it. Yeah, yeah. But you like too? Well, the love wretch, but I get it. Wretch. <laughs> yeah, that nah. last project. Actually, it's because of you guys I got into that last project. You guys were talking about Wretch 32's yeah. last project on your pods, and I was like. Hold on a minute, Wretch 32, all right. And then <laughs> I like it. I like I it. respect that, brother. <laughs> I liked it, but then I don't have any of this knowledge of what his standing is in the game or any of that. I just heard someone on this pod liking it. And I was like, ah, go on then, I'll try it out. And Mohammed, Mohammed could talk your ear off for about a week about Wretch. <laughs> and that's putting it mildly. All I think he's one of the greatest lyricists we've ever had. That's about it. Nothing too crazy. <laughs> Nothing too crazy. <laughs> Without any further ado, then we can move on to the, the main topic of today. Uh, so yeah, um, we're basically going to go going on from the um, discussion we had about hits earlier on. Uh, kind of just want to expand the debate now to transferring it from what makes a hit a hit to going to what makes an artist catalog or discography a great catalog or discography. Now, for many people. The discography and catalogue of an artist is very much their bread and butter. It what defines them as an artist. Yeah, man, I guess we just want to dig deep into what makes a catalogue great, what makes it not great, what makes it, you know, what makes it exciting, what doesn't make it exciting. So, guys, the floor is yours. What are our thoughts? I'm going to let you Good go. Talk. <laughs> Good talk. Good talk. Good talk. I'm going to let you guys go first, man. Well, for a bit of context, for a bit of context, Cam has embarked on a new series on Create 808 where he's talking to lots of different journalists and figures in the rap game about the best three album runs in rap in the 90s. And off the back of that, we just kind of wanted to talk about what makes a discography a great one, basically. Mm. So for me, if I'm going to start, um, I think mine is a difficult one because obviously, obviously consistency is key. Um, you want an artist and you want your favourite artist to be consistent and you want it to always be high quality music, which is obviously one side of the coin. For me, I feel like a big part of it as well is just how interesting you keep it. Like whether you're, are you experimenting? How successful are you at doing that? You know, are you rapping about the same things? Are you rapping about different things? Are you taking different perspectives on things that people have already spoken about and stuff? So obviously production as well. Production is important. It can't be the same stuff that you've wrapped about or wrapped on like for time and time so it definitely like the whole package of whether it's just like moving forward rather than just staying like idle 
um, is very, very important for me. And I'd probably say someone, as an example for that, I'd probably say someone like Childish Gambino. Like Childish Gambino is very, very different from when he started to now. Because when he started off, he was kind of like the, the outcast, the nerds, and he kind of rapped about nerdy things. And now he's just like fully formed into like a man of our times. You know, he's incorporated the soul, the Lucy Collins type stuff, funk. Um, he's doing This Is America stuff, which is nothing like he, what he did in the beginning. And you've seen that evolution. Like when you listen to something like Camp, which is his first album, and you listen to Because the Internet, his next album after that, completely different. And when you listen to Because the Internet and you listen to his, his most recent album, the one with the date, completely different as well. So he's someone who's always pushed himself sonically and he's always pushed himself topically as well. And he always keeps it interesting. It's not the same idleness. So for me, it's just how much you can switch it up as well. Right. And if you're able to do that successfully. I think growth is a big thing, but I think it's really hard to, if you go too far away from the formula that makes the first one good, it could really throw me off. Or if you, if you, if you go too close to the formula, where's the growth and are you tweaking the formula to do different things? So I think Childish is a bit more extreme on that version. Absolutely. And completely change. But yeah, I, I echo your point, man. That's all I can say. Yeah. The growth has to be there. I feel. Yeah, man, there's definitely like a balancing act there because you don't want to push away your fan base too much, but you also want to grow as an artist. So it's very, very hard. And we've seen countless times like throughout history that people who try to do that, either go too far or don't go far enough. So it's very, very difficult. And it's something, it's almost a skill within itself to just know um, and kind of just keep your ear to what people are saying and all that stuff as well. So you can go like really far left and it still be quality music. I don't necessarily always believe that the issue is them straying too far from the formula or going too far left. I feel like a lot of the time when they do go far left, it's just not good music. And that's what, mm. I think it's that, that's alienating their fans. Do you know what I'm saying? It will come across on the surface that, you know, they're just like trying weird stuff, but really and truly the music's just not good as it, as it was. So that's, that's what will make people feel like, All right, well, you know what? It's the experimentation that's making the music bad when it's not, because you can experiment a lot and still like drop some dope shit. I think people get that very much mixed up. Like the fact that you've experimented. So let's say like Kanye, my movie does is a fantasy to Jesus. A lot of people didn't like it because of how Jesus sounded like. I mean, even though the no, even though the even though the lyrics were whatever, clearly it was like a departure in very many ways. You know what I'm saying? But obviously, a lot of people attached their dislike of it to the sound, um, and whether they felt it was good music or not, maybe they felt maybe they felt that way later. But I feel like, especially around that time, people were commenting a lot on how it sounded rather than the actual content, um, which, to your point, Peter, is something to get wrong or just something that people misunderstand and get mixed up quite often. I don't always think you need to see growth in an artist to them, for them to have a great discography. I think depending on who the artist is, if you know what to expect from the artist and if they just keep doing that, I think you can still have a great discography. You don't always need to, you don't always need to come with a new, like for example, I'll give you an example, Rick Ross. I feel like Rick Ross has been the same rapper since the start. He just he's got great he's got great ear for beats. He knows what to pick, but whatever he's rapping about has always been the same. Whatever he's about has always been the same. His character's always been the same. But we all agree here. I think anyway that he's, we all agree he's got a great discography. Do you get what I mean? For sure. So for how sure. Much, I don't know a lot of Rick Ross to the point where I would, I could confidently say that because yeah. what I've heard is all very like you said though. But that's probably the thing is because it does sound quite the same. Um, 
if I if I haven't tapped into it, I'm probably not going to get access to an album because it all sounds that, which is kind of uh, positive for growth because sometimes you can catch new ears by trying new things. But if you're cool with your base of these are my listeners, I'm just going to do the same thing again and again, which is cool. Um, it's interesting because then I probably won't be able to penetrate that because I don't. I'm not a massive fan of Rick Ross. I'm just. I'm just not. So that's interesting that you say that because like in there you're in, but from the outside perspective, it's kind of like, oh, what what should I check out? It's almost like they all sound the same. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a weirdo because to me he sounds the same, but I, me as a fan, that's all I want to hear. But to that point, yeah. Mo, do you feel like Rick Ross has developed through his discography? Can you hear the like growth artistically? I can only. I feel like his bars got a little bit better, but I think his ears for beats has always been the same. Rick Ross has always been known to pick an amazing beat. That's never changed with him. So I don't think he's grown tremendously in his, what, decade-long career. But I will put his discography against a lot of rappers because I feel like he could go toe-to-toe with them. I think he's grown grown, um, with his ear for beats. I think he's always always had a good ear for, for a beat, but... I feel like as he's album after album, I think it's just gotten better and better and better. Yeah. That's probably yeah. the only growth. As far as his content, you kind of you know what you're gonna get. So I just had a question for you off the back of that. Do you think content really matters then to have a great or can you rap about the same thing? Uh, I, I, it depends what you're rapping about. Yeah. I, for me, if if you're rapping about something that is rich in like it's got some soul to it to start with, then rap about that forever. But if you're rapping about just like nonsense. Not saying he drops that nonsense. I'm saying yeah, if an yeah. artist did rap just about that, you can't keep doing that because it's got a shelf life for me. Uh, Cam, how do you then feel about um, someone like Pusha T? See, Push Pusher's. Uh, I think Pusher is. I love Pusher. I love Pusher, and I think that discography it really got lifted with that last album. Absolutely amazing. But do I go to him? He feels a specific need for me. Pusher does. Like when I hear him, I'm like, oh, I'm looking forward to this. But over a whole project, Pusher albums have been playlisted for me. What I mean, like I'm taking my best bits off. I'm not listening to this whole thing. The last album with Kanye was enough for me to listen to over and over again. It's short as well, so it helps. But like, um, I would say Pusher is, he's like an, a well-played assassin. Like features-wise, he's, he's even, is he on the new Blackfoot album? I think he might be. Um, yeah. yeah, he is, yeah. Yeah, he is right. And uh, hearing him on that track, I was like, let's go, man. I'm ready. And I like that. And then I do think that if you haven't got the growth in what you're saying, what I talked about Pat earlier about mythos or like narrative or like drama, like, like something that lifts you out to be an artist. And, you know, he doesn't take anything free from anyone. So that beef, even though beef isn't a great thing, that, that happened with Drake has only lifted him that level where you then if you cross him he will go literally go for your kids like that that is that that is a a level that makes him stand out and mm-hmm. and i feel like if you were to talk about his his discography you'd have to talk about that drake beef you'd have to because that's part of who he is to a whole new legion of fans i feel like people weren't there when grinding was out in the clubs and that i'm not joking is a banger of, of all time People, people have heard him talk about Drake like that, and you think he kind of gave him a resurgence. And yeah, uh, yeah, I kind of think you get the same thing with him. But he has stuff outside of that as well that I feel like brings. With Push, though, are we look, are we including his his albums as part of the clips, or are we just talking about his solo stuff? 
you could add, I, I feel like you could add him. You, you yeah, could add it. Like, like if we're if we're talking about his arms and the clips, then I don't know if it's fair to to call him Saini. Um, I feel like yeah, clips there was way more nuance because he had Malice there who was given a completely different perspective as to the ills of being in that drug life. You were mm. getting the full package. Um, and I think that's why Jay-Z's praised so much because it wasn't just the glitz and the glories and, you know, the, the, it wasn't so ego-driven as far as being part of the drug game. He gave you the pitfalls of it as well. So mm. Pusha being a part of the clips and dropping arms as part of the outlet, um, you got that as well. I, I don't know if you get that as much with solo push. So maybe calling him Samey as a solo act, I can understand. But if we're looking at the totality of his career, including the arms of the clips, then I don't know. With, with Ross... Um, Ross makes me feel good. When I've just had a fresh haircut, it's a lovely sunny day. When I just want to feel good about myself, I listen to. What to listen to when you're in Greece? Yeah, but, but also, but that's just that's that's a selfish need. You know, I'm feeding a selfish need within. Now, if I put on like, if I'm taking myself out of it and I'm really judging as a hip hop head, there's a lot of critique there that you can throw on Rick Ross because it just goes back to the Black Thought argument as well. Everyone knows that's that's my favorite rapper ever, but I completely understand the samey argument with him. Do you know what I mean? But because I, I like what I get from him, I'm okay with it. If, no, if I'm putting on my objective hat, then I completely understand the critique. So I don't know if samey, even if quality, is good for your catalogue. I yeah. think it, I think as long as it's quality, if you've got a lane, I don't think you always need to stray from the lane you're in. It's not by force. Mm. If you're good and you know what you're, you know the road you want to head down, you know what you want to rap about. And it's that's... Sometimes that's all someone knows. You can't blame for Rick Ross for only knowing what he knows. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So why do we have to paint him with the same paintbrush that we will paint uh, Kendrick? Because no one's trying to put him on them levels there. We're just saying he's got a great... Well, that, that, goes, that, that's, that was going to go to my next... Sorry to cut you off more, but that was going to go to my next point. Like, do, is the measuring stick for the discography different depending on the type of artist that we're talking about? Because obviously, someone like Ross, we're not going to say his discography is on the same level as Kendrick's necessarily because they do different things. Yeah. Um, does that factor in anywhere? But which lasts longer? I think Kendrick's in the world of music, just even outside of hip hop, is going to last longer because he has experimented. And does he nail the landing? Does it matter? Like, I mean, it, it matters that you do good quality stuff. But like, it's Pippa Butterfly, right? I would think you need to have rewindability in one of these discographies, like you're saying with Rick Ross. You you play it, you feel good about it, makes you think you probably still play his stuff. But out of here, who really is playing to Pippa Butterfly all the time? Like, we're not. But you know it's a great record. But it also is like, oh, so does that matter? Because he, he, he went for something, nailed classic certified status on, like, a critical level, but we're not bumping it all the time. So when you talk about, like, different um, discographies, I think naturally you're going to have to talk about, like, one overarching theme, because otherwise Kendrick's so different to Ross. He's so different to Ross. So your whole argument has to kind of be like a general consensus. There has to be a general from critical to us, us guys sitting, sitting here and listening to this music and being like, I still, I still play that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, man, 100%. And I, I, I agree. Um, obviously, Kendrick, yeah. Kendrick is a tough one because obviously, typically Butterfly, <laughs> as, as amazing as it is, like replayability isn't really there, depending on like, in, as far as the mainstream goes, and other than like, all right. But, obviously the richness of it and what it means to the game as a whole is probably going to tip it over generally like hip hop fans like us than Ross's catalogue for instance so I think it's tough man because with everything we've just said 
there's pressure on artists now to to grow and to explore even if it's not necessarily within them and i don't know if that's fair as a consumer it's not it's tough man it's, it's tough that's that's a whole nother level of pressure added to the creative process when making an album man. and if it's not naturally within you ugh, it's, it's a bit of a tough one you're that. basically saying that you can't have a great discography in it a might song. be a, yeah it might be a case of like and i was thinking about this on the way here like maybe some rappers are listening to the critics too much as opposed to their fans like yeah. if i'm Benny the Butcher, for instance. And even Benny the Butcher, yeah, I was watching the needle drop, Anthony Fantano's review of it, and he said that he doesn't step away too much from his lyrical comfort zone. Um, and that's a critical analysis of it, but the streets love that and will always yeah. love it. I disagree with that. Pardon? Yeah, I disagree with that as well. Yeah, 100%. I I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know where you got that from, but... Um, because obviously he's been very, very introspective on that on, on the project as well. So where he got that, I don't know. I suppose he spoke, I suppose he prioritized the, the drug raps over anything else. But maybe it's a case of the rappers listening to the critics too much and trying to do something maybe for the sake of doing it rather than it being their natural inclination. Like someone like Ross, if Ross was tomorrow gonna release something anywhere close to a to Pimper Butterfly, you might look at him like, raw, that's a bit mad. But I'll turn it off. You turn it off. Yeah. Not everyone needs to switch it up, bro. Like, not everyone needs to be a genius. True. If you if someone's in a lane and they're very good at that, I for me anyway, I don't knock someone for giving. Like, if Pusha gives me three Daytonas and he's rapping about the same stuff, I don't knock him for that. That's his lane. That's what he wants to do. He don't have the mind of a. He might not have the mind of a Kendrick and not want to experiment the way Kendrick does. Mm. As I say, he don't how have. Much that, how much of that comes down to our own personal lives and experiences? Because. Mo, without saying too much about your personal life. Don't do that. No, but I'm just saying, like, all, all jokes aside, but you enjoy more of the street-orientated type of content. So an artist giving you just that over great production will be sufficient for you. Yeah. Whereas, you know, someone like Cam, who is probably wears a lot more different hats as far as um, how they take in music and different types of music, probably needs more than that. So how much of that comes into I think it's personal lives and experiences? How does how we live our lives, how we see the world around us, how does that affect how we receive and judge discographies? Maybe all mm. of it, a lot of it. Mm. Like I would always choose the street shit over like a childish Cambino, for example. Mm. And yeah. he knows that about me, just because of where I grew up and how I grew up. I'm always gonna prefer the Jadik. Like Jadakiss is in my top five, just because what Jadakiss raps about is the shit I like. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But Jada Kiss have been rapping about the same things for 20 years, but I know what I I know I'm gonna get from Jada Kiss. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Yeah. But it's I don't think there is what we're coming down to then, there isn't really a general rule for what is a great discography. Because Rock Marciano's discography compared to Kendrick's discography are two very different things. And one guy is completely staying in his lane and kind of doing his thing. And I and I agree, both both have merits. Both have merits. But that's that's when you start thinking. So what, we've talked about rewindability, we've talked about growth, if or if you don't need it or do need it, but also impact. Like I, I, one of the things I was thinking was impact because obviously a great discography has impact, but how long lasting is that impact was one of the things we try to discuss on that series we're doing. Like how many, do these albums, this run or catalog spawn babies? Like is there, are there loads of these babies everywhere now? And, and if you look at someone's catalog like so, for instance, people who don't do much outside of their remit, Mob Deep, Mob Deep 
do a catalogue which is strictly mob, but it's it's almost always amazing. They even on every album they kind of brought out, they brought out at least a bit of heat that you know some were more disappointed than others. But Jesus, the run was good. The run was wicked. And then you start thinking the blueprint that that catalogue is them in their lane. Their growth isn't massive, but it's there a little bit. But they're not experimenting that much. And then you think, well, their impact was massive because they then laid a blueprint for almost everything that's happening right now in Riffle. Like that is Griselda, and that can be seen in this last decade massively. And that is different. And on that Rock Marciano and Kendrick argument, they've both got catalogues that have influenced people coming after them because babies, they are IDs and whomever else that come from that Kendrick cloth. And then you've got the whole Griselda movement. Um, and, you know, you could argue that Rock Marciano probably borrowed mm. from that Mob Deep. He's from that Mob Deep family tree as well. But For sure. what Marciano has spawned as well is, is just, is, is, you know, it's just kind of, mm. it's becoming bigger as well with the whole Griselda movement and what they're doing. Because then now they're then going to spawn some kids as well. So would you say, because again, I'm not schooled up. Yeah. Has Rick Ross's catalogue got that element to it? No. No, definitely not. Not at all. Okay. Because that is an element I would look at, and only time really tells that story. So, obviously, I can't say that about West Side Gun or whatever their catalogue. Will it spawn something in 10 years? I don't know. But you would think that run that West's been on is pretty crazy. All of them have had really good runs. But, you know, I can't say that about them yet. So, I can't say the impact thing yet for them. But I do feel that Ross has been around long enough for us to judge that. And, yeah, that's another thing, just to put another little spanner to throw in these works while I try to figure out what... Yeah, but, we're just but saying, saying that then, that might be a reason why Rick Ross ain't in nobody's top tens or fives. Like, they, don't they don't influence nobody. Yeah, but no, then it's, with, you know. with Rick Ross, though, the critique is whether his, his music is believable. You know, because of the controversy yeah. around, you know, him being a CO, yeah. a lot of people don't believe what he's talking about. So they've kind of just given him like an asterisk. Forget mm. the music process, it's, it's also about whether you believe it. Maybe that adds mm. to how we receive the content as well and how we receive the whole catalog. Because if you've dropped mm. albums about stuff that we nobody believes you on, whether it's good or not, we're not going to really include it in the conversations about the best catalogs in rap. Yeah. Is that I mean? fair? That's true, because you're not going to put that in a Kanye conversation. You know I, mean? I, I would leave that conversation. Like, if someone tried <laughs> to talk to me and was bringing Ross to a Kanye's, this is what I'm saying like, about good catalogs. Kanye's catalogue is, it, it almost hits every one of those things that we've talked about. It's got rewindability, it's got, 808 itself is on its own a blueprint for stuff that came after 808, and everyone hated that, so I hate people like, oh, I love Timeless, is it, um, what's the track, not Timeless, is it Timeless? No, I can't remember, I'm awful Heartless. with track names. Heartless, Heartless. Heartless. I remember that came out, I was like, this is unreal, and, and hearing that the first time, there were a lot of people who didn't like it, it in hip-hop, and again, his catalogue has that. Like, he just goes. And Dark Twisted Fantasy, I'm playing that in the car this week. There's a difference between great and classic. Kanye's got a classic catalogue. True. True. I'm just saying, Russell's got a great one. Like, there's a mm. big difference between the two. Like, mm. when we talk about the Kendricks and the Jay Z's and the Kanye's, they, they're aliens. Like, their catalogue is classic. Like, they've got classic yeah. albums. I'm just saying, to me, Russell's got a great one. Great is just, it's been, do you know what I mean? Mm. They're comparing a their life, their catalogs to the Rosses of the world or whoever. Just because mm. I feel like their ones are special, they're unique. Like to me, Kendrick's got three classic albums. Do you know what I mean? So it's like his his catalog 
he's passed the word great, if you guys know what I'm trying to say. I was going to say, just out of interest, just personally, how long did it take you to deem Damn a classic? Um, I was one of them guys. I'm so glad you asked that question because I've got an issue with that word. Let's so can I, answer it, though. No, answer it. I appreciate you, Peter. <laughs> so, Peter, Peter, yeah, we've gone back, back and forth with this. I'll be honest with you. After, I'll say the first year, no, I was quick with it. Maybe six months. I was definitely but I, also, yeah. I, I also gave good kids. I said, good, as soon as I heard good kid, I said, yo, this is something special. Me too. I was quite quick on good kids, to be fair. I, I was yeah, like, I was quick. Right, though. We were right, though. Yeah, but that year you knew that there was something different. That year. Right, but the pimp, to pimp, uh, to pimp, did you say, do you think the pimp's a classic? Personally, yeah, I listened to that album the first day it came out, like, I think it was 10 times in a row, this album. I, I was like, this, there is not one word that's missed or anything. And then a year later, I was like, I'm not even visited that much. Do you see what I'm saying about, like, the the, yeah, the yeah. rewindability of something? Yeah. But I'll say, yeah, I said that Dan was a classic. Pia, was that early with it? Yeah, um, I just don't like the word, man. I feel like it's just, it's a word that's overused. And I just feel like even us using it so quickly, it kind of contradicts the meaning of the word in itself. Do you know what I'm saying? Because classic is... Four years, we're not saying it now? Pardon? It's been, what, four years? Um, for, for me, I need a bit longer. How long do you need? I just, I just need a bit longer, man. Like, bro, like, even albums like Blueprint, I lived through Blueprint, so I can speak on Blueprint. Um, it will matter how I was, I was really young in it. So, but with albums like Blueprint, I, I don't think they were called classics there and then. It came later. You know what I'm saying? That's one that you can look back on and say, all right, cool, yeah. Even if you lived through it, I don't feel like people were calling it a classic there and then. Um, I think. And I feel like, we, I, I feel like we struggle to just say an album's fucking amazing or great. It's like we have yeah. to take it to that next level just to show how much we love it by putting that C word on it. Do you get what I'm saying? And there's nothing wrong with that, but you've got to be careful though. You've got to be careful, mm. man. But I agree. Like, there's definitely that element. Allow, you need to allow an album time to... Just let years pass. Let's just you see what it has the same. It's been four. You know what it is? You know what it is for me as well? It's because now everyone has a voice. Before then, it was whoever wrote it down in a magazine deemed yeah. it a classic. And in the street, or I was in the street, but in the, in, in the venue at that time, if there's 200 of us heads and we're listening to a Shabam Sadiq album, right? I don't even know if you guys know who that is. But yeah, like, definitely does. Like, right, okay. <laughs> if I listen to that album, to us, then us saying it's a classic and us playing it over and over again for the next five years made that a classic. I'm not saying he has a classic. I'm just saying that's an example, right? Now, before before then, we didn't, not all of us could go on Twitter and call it a classic. Mm. All of us had to read it somewhere for it to be deemed that. Now, I feel like on Twitter, there are certain fans of 6 9 or whoever I can't think of as a young young rapper, right, that is out now, that I'm not a fan of, but in their world, they're all talking about this album for the next five years. In that world, it's a classic. Unfortunately, those guys have Twitter and social media, and it gets to the point that all of us now have to know this is a classic. And that sometimes is to me where I'm like, in your world, that might be the case. Like, I can't say that about this. And like, Carr has got classics. You were talking about Carr. And I would say Carr has classics, but... I don't think my mate who doesn't listen to indie hip-hop or underground hip-hop is going to agree with me because he has no idea. But just because I'm on Twitter and I said it, apparently it's a classic. So 
I have sure. to I have to just bring that argument in because I'm from the school of someone writing it in a mag and you being like five mics. What the do you know what I mean? Yeah, so. for sure. I mean the internet has definitely played the biggest factor in that. I feel like the internet has democratized hip hop in the same way it's kind of loosened the meaning of the word classic. I definitely feel what Peter's saying, but I also think in some instances, I mean only really Kendrick for me, you can make exceptions. Like Good Kid Might See for me was an instant classic. Same thing with Tipping for Butterfly. Damn, it took me a little bit longer. Maybe it took me like less than a year. But the internet has created these communities that have artists that cater to these communities and they can identify through themselves, through these artists. And that way, the meaning of the word classic just takes on more meaning. It's the same thing I, want, I hear and I take when people say, you know, something like Kid Cudi saved my life or whatever. Because to them, that's yeah. their Rakim. That's their Tupac. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. in that sense, the word classic doesn't have the same meaning anymore. Whether it's for the best or for the worst is yet to be known. But it's definitely been equalized by the fact that the internet has been booming and it's created all these communities that then have spawned rappers that then cater to these communities. Yeah, um, it's a cycle, isn't it? Yeah. P had a great point earlier when he goes, I guess it just depends on kind of where you, maybe where you grew up or what you listened to growing up or what you prefer, or where you came from. So like with me, I'm good with that street shit. If someone just me keep making a street album, obviously not all my rappers, but if certain people continue, like Meek, for example, I get a, I know what to expect from a Meek album. Not saying Meek's got a great discography, but it's, to me it's all right. But I know what I expect from it. Do you know what I mean? And I'm all right if it doesn't stray. Like I'm not complaining. To me, the only time I look, if if I if you're a goat to me, that's when I need you to change it up. Do you know what I mean? There's a difference. If you're a goat to me, that's when I need you to change up discography. For me to say it's great or a class, for me to say it's great or at a certain level, like above great. But if you're the Rosses of the world, the Coles of the world, or whoever, I'm not surprised with what I get. And I, I did, there's a lane that I like you in already, but I wouldn't put you nowhere near the. That's why they know my top ten, top fifteen. So, so what's your um? So how do you look at people that aren't in that great category, but they're they're just getting started? If their first maybe like two, three mixtapes are just like street shit. And then, you know, they're trying to continue to grow. Are you going to still hold them with the same standard as a typical sh- um, street rapper? Anybody could do that. But then that's when you elevate to gold status, isn't it? Depending on how far you take it and what trajectory you go to. Like, Nipsey's a great example. Nipsey came rapping that street shit. Benny as well. And then Nipsey, Nipsey started to evolve. Like, from the marathon continued to a marathon, uh, Bullets Got No Name on it. He was rapping all street shit. Then he started talking about owning businesses. And then he started getting an ear to beat, ear for beats, and then you see where he was trying to go to, do you know what I mean? Mm. So therefore, I would then hold you in another level to where I hold other rappers. I think, I yeah. think, it's, tough. I think it's tough to set like a, a criteria, man. Um, it's not fair, but it's well, tough. Just thinking about it now, I just feel like a great discography is what is true to the artist. So whether that's consistent, whether that's rapping about the same old stuff over and over again, or experimenting, if mm. it's the truest representation of that artist, and obviously if it's good, um, then that's what yeah. makes a great discography. Something that you can tell is authentic mm. rather than what they consistently rap about or what they don't rap about, whether they're rapping on Daft Punk production or they're rapping on mm. the, the most fired primo beat, you know what I'm saying? So while it's very still, and from this conversation, it's still quite subjective, I feel like if we're going to try and objectify it, it is something that represents the artist in its fullest form. And I think Kanye, yeah. someone like Kanye or Outkast, those are like Tribe, those are like some of the best examples of that, I feel like. 
and then you have this then you have someone like Gangstar who probably are being true to themselves but that Gangstar run is is incredibly their formula do you know what I mean like of course there's nuance to it but it's not as wild as ATL well from Cadillac music to Equemini like that's crazy growth like Mm -hmm. just wild and that's what I mean like I, I back you as long as you're being true to yourself I think there's credit in the bank right yeah. like you can you can give that person a bit more credit in that catalog as well who do you guys think have some of the most underrated discographies out here i've got a problem with that word man oh boy <laughs> which one underrated <laughs> you know what underrated <laughs> underrated and classic are becoming like two words that i absolutely despise because i feel like we throw underrated on a lot of people who we feel should get way more attention but that doesn't necessarily mean that they should, that just because we feel it doesn't mean that they should get mm. more ratings. I think they're rated exactly where they should be. Um, I was thinking about it today. I was thinking about Redman's discography. And obviously Redman's revered. In most circles, he's considered to be a legend. Um, his first three albums absolutely flawless to me. But if we look at, I don't feel like his discography is spoken about enough. I don't, the reason why I think that is is because of the albums that came after the first three. Mm. So with that argument, I don't, I'm not going to say he's underrated. I feel like he's rated exactly where he should be. He's a legend. He can spit. His first three albums, you could argue, are classics. The catalogue as a whole is a good catalogue. The reason it's probably not propelled to another level is because he gave us maybe like three albums after that that just were a bit meh. Yeah. And, it's similar to, and it's like the Ice Cube argument as well. So, I don't know. The underrated thing is a bit, it's a bit weird for me. I just meant discoveries that you feel aren't spoken about enough. I think it's subjective, isn't it? Like a, yeah. a one that you think deserves more shine. Is that what you're saying? Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. You- and I feel what I feel what Peter's saying. Um, but do you not think that even if Redman has like his first three albums are great, like flawless and stuff, everything that's going on around it can drown out the impact or drown out how people see it. So I think that's something to consider as well. Like, if you've dropped Muddy Waters the same year that the score has come out and it was written and Reasonable Doubt and Caluminati and stuff, it's going to drown it out. You know what I'm saying? So it might not necessarily have been as popular or as impactful as it maybe could have been. So while I get what you're saying, there, there are extenuating circumstances, I feel like, with some discographies anyway. That shifts through time, though, yeah, I mean, I feel. I think that shifts through time. Like, Redman is a different type of rated now, maybe, than he was back then. And also, I think perfect example of that is De La Soul's uh, Balloon Mind State. That's another one that we featured. Uh, that's probably my favourite De La Soul album. Uh, and I came to it way late. And you think, now it's getting love. Now, there's like a pitchfork article on it I saw. There's like people talking about it on Twitter, if that's a barometer at all. That, that it's getting more shine than it did back then. And it's interesting because that's changed. People now have had time. It came out in a real gangster rap time. It's really jazz influenced. And you realise, oh, it's probably just got drowned out. Like Yemi said, probably got drowned out by the gangster hype, the gangster rap hype, the G-funk. And people weren't there for the jazz. There were jazz heads. Obviously, Dallas Soul fans were loving it. But now I feel like more people are obsessed that would like it more because you don't have the like, chronic kind of shadow all over it. Do you know what I mean? Underrated is a very term we've got to be careful with. Uh, I like to say just, just put some shine on it. We call it hidden gems because I couldn't think of another catchy way to put it. And I was like, just hidden gem. In, in your opinion, what is a hidden gem? Because, mate, we tried slept on Wu Tang bangers, slept on Primo bangers, and I basically got decimated on Twitter because that's not slept on. That's not slept on. That, yeah. You're talking about that's not slept on. And mm. what I thought was, I'm just going to vote it. 
and it turns out a lot of our followers if the people who were vocal on twitter saw their votes they would be like hold on a minute like like this is part, so ghetto it's slept on apparently or or, or underrated mm-hmm. i don't think as, as a primo banger and i was like so ghetto is not slept everyone knows what so ghetto is but according to votes and whatever, yeah, it should be on that playlist. I so think, I was like, I think it depends who you talk to, man. Because I think Primo's best beats, I think it is slept on. There you go. Do you know mean about being subjective? Yeah. Same as underrated. Same as underrated. Yeah. It's so objective. I, f- I feel like Buster Rhymes' catalog is, and I want to pick my words carefully in it. I don't want to use the word underrated. Underappreciated. I would like more shine on it. For some reason, I've heard people say that they don't think he's got any classics. And that was quite surprising to me because I, I thought The Coming was a flawless album. I don't know if I'm going to call it a classic, but it was a flawless album for me. Um, so I feel like he's, his catalogue is maybe three a, bit, albums, a bit disrespected to me. Because he's got, he's got no... After um, The Big Bang, which he mm. did on Aftermath, I don't know if he's got any... Before that, I don't think he's got any like, whack albums. I think he's got really good albums. Genesis has got some bangers on it, actually. Genesis is one that. Yeah. Boston's a great shout, man. I think the coming is probably a classic because it's just definitively him. He's all about being true true to the person. Exactly. Exactly. That was another world. You were in going into his world. Even like when when the Boston strikes, I love that. Mm. Level, I thought was a banging album as well. Um, Mm. So, all right, if I'm going to use the word, maybe I would use under it. Fuck it. Are you using it? I'm going to use the word fuck. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, I would argue Slum Village. Um, I, don't, really? I don't know. I don't, I, I'd, I'd like more shine on their catalogue. Um, because Outside of like the hip hop heads, basically. Because mm. obviously they came up and they were already given this unofficial mentor of being like the, the spiritual successors of Tribe. And even they've said that that kind of messed them up in a way because don't compare us to those guys. Like we're doing something completely different. So I feel like whether they've been able to shrug off that tag um, is subjective. Um, I think they have. But generally, I feel like just all the fantastics, like everything after Dilla, I want to see more shine on it. I don't know if it gets the appreciation that. it maybe deserves. That uh, sinks into mind quite nicely because I, I, I was thinking of that Detroit sound was a defining era in my listening from uh yeah so like after blueprint and then as a 90s head you got i got a little bit disenfranchised with the whole hip-hop thing like the albums that were coming out weren't really of my taste i've gone back since like like i I wasn't a massive fan of kanye when he first came out i thought they were bangers i thought it was interesting i just had to tune my ear to how good that was like i would I, i would always put his latest stuff ahead of his early stuff and i'm quite rare in my friends my friends more prefer his early stuff but i was like I love Yeezus, so I don't know when. I'm, I'm with you, bro. <laughs> I really enjoy Yeezus, but um, but I was thinking uh, Black Milk's uh, like catalog for mm. me is uh, oh man, Shine. Even if you're just giving him Shine for the fact that he can rhyme as good as most MCs, and his beats are just typically him. And I feel like there's a yeah, like. Man, that run he was on when he first started all the way up to Tronic, and yeah, even after that, like yeah, I I would put Black Milk in there for definitely more shine slash maybe underrated. Hear that? Yeah, man, that's a great shout, man. That's a great shout. I still listen to uh, what's that one? Was it Fever? Mm, oh yeah, great album. It was fire, man. These projects are solid. They take a bit. 
I don't know, they're not the same now. Like he's, he, like we said earlier, he's trying to trying to grow and use fans, and you know, is he? He's not nailing the landing all the time, but I don't care, man. The guy did sound the alarm. Like it, it, that for me is as a kid, just like wow. So I'll always be there, and I always see him live, and he seems like a good bloke as well. I always think if they seem pretty decent at live shows and chill afterwards and whatever, that I don't know, always add something to their music for me. Like Ferrimont has always been like that. Like, every time you see him live, he's signing people's kicks. He's like, you know what I mean? You feel like I'm going to give Desire another spin now because of that, and <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm just a nice person. But <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. What about you, Mohammed? I see you stroking your beard. Three lot, because you might not name rapidly rappers. Oh, here we go. No, not like that. Like, you might not, I was going to say common, but I'm going to take that back. But you might not name it, because it depends on what we talk about. If we're talking, what, hip-hop fans know, that's one thing. But if we're just talking on a global scale, scale yeah. do you know what I'm saying? Because on a global scale, do I feel like Common gets his ratings and all? To hip-hop fans, we know what he's about. So I wouldn't say underrated, I'll just say underappreciated. If that, it's not one of the same things, do you know what I mean? But personally, and I'm going to say this, because I know... I don't think Yemi, have you ever listened to a Styles P album? Uh no. Okay, cool. Styles P. Okay. And I feel like the reason being is because I feel like everyone puts him in the box and thinks they know exactly what he's about. Yeah, P, have you listened to Styles P? I love Styles P. Styles P's got a better catalog than Jada Kiss. And I'm not gonna deny that. And you know, Jay Kiss is in my top five. Do I agree with you? No. But am I gonna argue with you? No. But with Styles P, for some reason, hip hop nerds or hip-hop fans to kind of turn a blind eye to him like don't really don't really listen to him don't really give him the time of day and i don't know why if stars has got a ridiculous catalog like ridiculous i think it's to do with his beats i think his beats yeah. Are, yeah. i think he gets beats from like oh boy part-time barbers part-time producers don't do that to stars <laughs> <laughs> So like his beats can they're very um they're very hard, very street, but there's not yeah. always a lot of musicality to it. Whether his rhyming is hard or not, his beats can come sometimes come across a bit amateurish. A bit dull. Some some I think to people that aren't fans of his, for me, I love it, so I'm cool with it. But for someone that isn't into styles, I think maybe the later projects especially, that's how they would feel. Yeah, I feel you. But that would be me anyway. I would say, I would say Styles P, I feel like it's criminally underrated. Like, I don't know why he doesn't get speaking about enough. If you guys listen to Give Him Two Free Projects, you'll understand why Styles P is Styles P. Like, even if you hear him rap on the Lox's albums, and I thought like Kiss is the better rapper, it's very rare that Kiss outshines Styles P to me. Like, it's very rare. Like, Styles P's got a unique voice, a unique rapping, rap, a rapping tone, the way he raps, everything's unique about him. And to me, anyway, that's, that's who I would say, Yemi. That's my vote right there. Great show. I was going to say something controversial. Maybe not controversial, but I was going to say that like maybe Styles doesn't get as much... I mean, I don't know, but I was just thinking, maybe, is he... Do you reckon he's maybe in J.D. Kiss's shadow a little bit? I don't think so. I generally believe they're in their own lanes. I feel like they all... Like, Sheik is happy to be part of the lots, and that's it. Like, I've, no, yeah, no yeah. don't do that, Yemi. <laughs> I'm saying, with Sheik, he's happy to be part of the locks, and that's it. <laughs> like you are the lock, you are part of the locks, you are you're the anchor, you are Patrick Vieira, and then you keep it pushing. <laughs> then you've yeah. got then you've got then you've got sorry, Styles and you've got Jenny, because Dennis Burkamp and Tierra and Reed, they both know their names and I feel like they're both comfortable. Does Kiss to me, does Kiss have the bigger name? 
globally, yeah. But I feel like if you go to the streets, more people prefer Styles P. I feel like in the streets, more people fuck with Styles P than Jadakiss. Uh, nah. You don't think so? Nah, not Bro, me. people fuck with Styles P, you know? No, I'm not disputing that. I feel like the people that like are criminal life, um, come out straight out of jail, they love Styles, isn't it? Because Styles P was, he was, he, he spent some time in prison. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he identifies with a lot of that and he puts a lot of that in his bars and they're sold to it as well. Yeah. Um, but, uh, people love Jadakiss more. No, I'm not saying they don't. I just feel like the streets, it's, don't get me wrong, it's 1A and it's 1 and 1A. Like, do you know what I mean? It's not, like, they don't, I'm just saying to me, I feel like the streets, fuck with Styles, kinda. People that feel mm. part of that lifestyle will, yeah. will love Styles P way more. But like, what? Yeah, me go listen to Styles P. Just one. I, I don't. I don't think Styles is underrated. I feel like he's rated exactly where he should be rated. Um, but then again, it gets to where we're talking about where, what some your definition to underrated might be. Might because do I feel like his fans appreciate him? Yeah. Do I feel like the people that he needs to resonate with, he resonates with? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I feel like I do think that's subjective. What Peter's yeah. saying. Mm. Very very subjective. I, I don't know if it is, bro. I think may, maybe to a degree, but also. We're going to feel like that with any rapper. We're going to feel like... There are, there are so many rappers out there that we feel like, yeah, they should probably have more ears. We just can't avoid that. Yeah, for sure. Does that make them underrated? I don't know. Mm. I never appreciate that, I said, though. Because I would want people to go back and listen to Jay-Z's oh, Volume 1. But we, I'm not going to dare say he's underrated, but there's always going to be yeah. albums and artists, catalogs, and just rappers as a whole that... We would feel like, yo, this deserves way more ears. But I don't know. At the same time, though, at the same time, though, we're not going to compare Jay Z to Styles P. No, no, of course not. I'm just making a point. No, no, just in terms of like stature as well, because obviously Jay Z is going to have like a lot of what people might consider hidden gems in his catalogue, like Volume One Mm. or whatever. Whereas no one's going to look, no one's going to look at Styles P the same way. Well, not no one, but you know, less people are going to look at Styles P in the same way. So there are certain artists that even if we are fans of them. We're just in their bubble. Mm. Maybe Styles P is that, but we're in that bubble of fans that probably feel like to outside, to the outside world, they're not seen as anything as much. You know what I'm saying? So that's probably where the, oh, this is underrated or this is a hidden gem comes into it. How important is um, accessibility? The discography? Um, it's not. Not to me. It's yeah. not to- I don't think you need to reach for it. I think if it's there, it's there. I don't think. I think if you reach for it, you risk it. It's a risk. Yeah. But then, but then, if if an album's not necessarily accessible, that's when words like underrated become thrown. They they start being thrown around. And when I mean accessible, I don't mean like bubblegum. I just mean easier to listen to because. Good Kid Mad City is probably easier to listen to than Tipping the Butterfly. So you could argue it's more accessible without being too commercial. Actually, no, it is way more commercial than Tipping. Um, mm. It's a tough one. Mm. It's, it's a tough one. I feel like with accessibility, it probably depends on who the artist is. It depends on what you like as well. I don't necessarily need my albums to be accessible. If the musicality mm. is great, then I'm good. Yeah. But to some people, accessibility will matter. It just depends on how they take it in the music. Like, if mm. there are people who take in more of the lyrical miracle stuff, yeah. and that's never going to be as accessible as the more mainstream stuff, then it just depends on the type of fan that you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people can put on several hats, some people can't. Yeah. Someone like a blue. Rap, the rap I, I have blue and exile down as one of mine yeah. as well. Like, yeah, yeah. they've done amazing things for the underground. Um, yeah. I and still are. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. If, I don't think their music's accessible, but that's okay. 
yeah. but then I would say that their catalogue is probably underappreciated. I would say that. I think I think Blue Lexiles again, can you call above the clouds like is it above the clouds above the heavens? As you can tell, I'm awful with this uh, name. <laughs> below, but, below, yeah. below the heavens. Yeah, that's it, below the heavens, that's it. Like that, people call that a classic now. And it's like, okay, but I could probably see this new one they've come out with. I can see that being like in, in ten years people got like, this is the tra- like album from twenty twenty, it's got like twenty twenty energy and blah blah. And it's like, yeah, that could be there. So I'm there with you with Blue Man. Mm. Well, can I ask what I was gonna put in Freddie Gibbs because I do love Freddie Gibbs' latest run. I don't think it's slept on though. I feel oh. like people fully, fully know what Gibbs is about, but I suppose it comes down to I. I wish more people I know were checking out like Freddie or like um, oh man, what's that? What's the uh, album? Is it You Only Live Twice? One where he's in there. It's like the artwork. Yeah. Like he's in heaven. Man, that's a, that is a wicked project. And yeah, I. I, I just no one in my vicinity really talks about them albums and I listen to Freddie a lot and not a lie Mad Lives is on my top 10 all time so Pinata and all that stuff man you know I'm, I'm there for that so I think Freddie's raps better with Mad Lib than Doom I'm hard no no I Doom is in my five for a reason I'll fight in that corner man like, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, sorry Cam I'm, I'm, I'm sorry you even had to answer that ridiculous question <laughs> <laughs> That is such a ridiculous question. I'm just asking a question, yeah, but... Please, please, when you ask that question, PEA, it just looks so disgusting. Such a ridiculous question. I'm just asking. Hey, man, I'm a fool. I He works on that production, like, in a different way, but really well. Like, he sits on their mandate tracks brilliantly. When he switches, their beat switches up, and his flow switches up, and... Oh, man, it's brilliant, but... Just listen to Mad Villainy and you're never going to... That's that's <laughs> up there as yeah. timeless uh, for me. Um, yeah, that was called Classic Early. That was called Classic Early, I remember that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but rightly so, I feel. So, basically, there is no criteria for a great discography. It's just personal. <laughs> Anytime Peter personal. gets a chance to say, just make great music, he'll take it. <laughs> Peeps, and that in itself is subjective, but we move. Moving swiftly, moving swiftly on to um, the final topic, which is the fun one. Um, we're basically just going to pick one album each by an artist that would easily slot into another's catalogue, essentially. I've got a couple, to be honest. But, gentlemen, who would like to go first? I struggle with this, so you look to go first. All right, I've got quite a few. Oh, boy. Uh, so you can tell he came up with the topic. <laughs> the first album, yeah. Oh, it's a, it's, you know what? Let me just say it, and then I will explain afterwards. I, I chose, out well, Andre 3000's Love Below. And I felt like that album could slot into Prince's discography. Oh, oh, oh. oh you're, doing, you're doing Outsider Rap, too. That's the only one that I chose. That's okay. the only one that I chose. Um, he never changed, bro. Yeah, no, nah, bro, because I... I had to in preparation for this topic, man. I was just lit. I went back to it. Um, I'll take your word for it. Does it slot in easily? Um, it's hard to it's hard to position it just because of the rapping and the type mm. of choosing in it. Prince, he wasn't really he wasn't really a hip hop guy like that. He didn't like hip hop. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. So for real, yeah. But on the more singing tracks, you can hear the Prince influence, which is why I felt you could throw it in there. Like songs like Prototype, 
she lives in my lap. It just gave me, it gave me that Prince feel. So it mm. kind of made me feel like those were unofficial Prince songs, which is why I might have thrown it in there. Damn. Yeah, so that's, that, that was the first thing that came to my mind. I need to listen to Love Blow again now. You've made me want to listen to that again yeah, now. I need to listen to that again. Yeah, let me know. Yeah, because I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, yeah. actually. Yeah. See yeah. I, was, I, I would say, like, it. Blonde could fit into a Prince. Yeah. Uh, that's, but, you know, that's a bit different. I, I had one which was a bit more, like, straight edge, which was, um, imagine, just for a minute, we lived in the world where it went Illmatic, ready to die, and it was written. Like, just imagine... Biggie's was second. That would possibly be the best three-album run of all time. Like, and I feel like Ready to Die fits into what it was written was trying to do, which was more mafia and more like like all that, but harder. And I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I think there's a oh. bit of influence in there. There's a bit of influence in there for me. I, I was know, thinking, man. no, I don't know. I feel like with the with the whole mafia thing with Biggie, I felt like that was coming more on life after death, not not so much ready to die. So true, true, if you true. said if you would have said maybe it was written either before life after or after before oh. yeah that would be the one. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. See it. yeah no 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 that is the one. No you nailed it. Yeah, no if you Oh my god, yeah, it well, yeah. Can we just put ready to die in there anyway? Just <laughs> yeah, why not? Just <laughs> wait, man. It's fun, isn't it? It's fun. <laughs> now I just want to hear, I just want to hear Nas on Sky's the Limit now. Oh man, but that's what I'm saying. Oh, oh, yeah, that'd be lit. I think that would sound awkward though, man. No, no, Sky's the Limit. That beat, I think, find a pocket. I think you can find the pocket. I think you can find the pocket. I think you can find the pocket. is wrong for him, hypnotize is wrong for him, but but. I'll give him Sky's the Limit, though. So what sort of bars do you think Nas will spit on Sky's the Limit? I can't hear it, man. No, he can definitely tell a story. Yeah, he tell a story. I can't hear him saying, like, freedom of jail clips and certain... No, 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 no. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. I see it yet, Pio. I can't hear it, man. We're not talking about that. Sky's the Limit is a rags to riches story. Nas can do that. What's yeah. This guy? What's wrong with this guy? No, yeah. I love Mars. <laughs> Shut up. But yeah, he, he, he can definitely do that. He can definitely do it. If anything, something similar to like One Love Nars would fit perfectly on Sky's mm, mm, mm. I Good think, Yeah. Just telling a story in that. But yeah. um, my one, um, and it's funny you mentioned like Blue and Exile, Below the Heavens, because I, I would fit that into J. Cole's discography. I think it fits perfectly. I think Dancing in the Rain, was it Dancing in the Rain or Singing in the Rain? I can hear Cole all over that. I can hear Cole all over the production. I can hear him talking about similar stuff. Like, not to say that Cole and Blue sound the same, but, you know, they're of that ilk. So I can definitely see that, like, fitting into J. Cole's discography. If that was the first album, then maybe we wouldn't give Cole as much of a bad rap. I was going to say, is that before Forest Hills? You're saying that's coming before Forest Hills? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like... I'm going to say, yeah, this is his first album. If it was his first album, coming off um, Friday Night Lights, then, yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, for Friday Night Lights, yeah. Oh, that would have been a problem. That would, the conversation surrounding J. Cole would be so much different if that would have happened. Yeah, we need to EP the tape. Hey, man, listen. Hey, man. a and in this. Um, I'm saying, man. But, yeah, man, I think, perfect. It would be perfect for him. Maybe it would put him further underground than what he would become but at least for the day ones it'll be like 
a much more like euphoric feeling than Sideline Story. Yeah, great shout. I feel like Ghostface Supreme Clientele could fit in casually in Doom's catalogue anywhere. Whether it was after Mad Villain, before, um, whether it was after Operation Doomsday. Actually, yeah, after Operation Doomsday, I'd throw it in there. Um, I think they, they yeah. have similar aesthetics, man, just sonically, um, which would have made sense as to why they were going to do the album together. But yeah, I can, that would have fit in beautifully in Doom's catalogue for me. Before mm-hmm. Mad Villain, I think it'd have to be before Mad yeah, Villain. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. yeah, for sure. This came to my head now. And I probably said I don't want to talk about J. Cole, but this just came to my head now. P, this is more towards you because I know you're a massive fan of his. Go on. Now, tell me. I might be bugging, but you know... Have you heard 2014 Forest Hills Drives? Yeah. So you know when Fab came out with Street Dreams and Real Talk? Yeah. If you put it in between that, does it work? No. You don't think so? Mm-hmm. Why not? Because um, Street Dreams was... It was a lot of poor production. Um, it was early 2000s. I might say so was 2014. The soundscape in rap was crazy then for, for like mainstream rap. Um, and just throwing like any J. Cole project in the midst of a fab catalogue just doesn't, it just doesn't mesh. I got another one. Uh, we'll Here we go. I think Childish Gambino's Because the Internet would fit perfectly in a post Igor Tyler Creator discography. Yeah, I think he yeah. fit easily after Ego. Yeah, because after Ego, he can pretty much go anywhere, and that album, like because of the internet, like it's got time mm. all over it, man. I can hear that. Mm. Yeah, sure. is that a is that a run you're listening to still? Tyler's Tyler's run. Hundred percent. Yeah. You still listen to Foul Boy? You still listening to Ego? You still listen to all that? Foul Boy is my favorite Tyler album. Um, okay, interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think before that, I think, yeah, man, I just think, I think that's Tyler to a T, um, for mm, that one. Mm. Um, he had fully realised his sound, he was rapping like crazy. Um, yeah. It just fits perfectly, man. Mm. That's, that's big, man. That's what to hear. That's what to know. Yeah, man, for sure. You're a Tyler yeah. fan? Yeah, yeah. Well, I like to, I'm, I'm more Goblin. I like Goblin. I like Sandwiches of Future. Uh, I'm more Earl than Tyler, I would say. But then again, actually, Am I now? I don't know. I think I'll probably bat both, but I love Earl. Like, I think Earl's projects, and that's a run, actually. That's a catalogue. Yeah. Mm. Let me think that's, that is actually pretty decent solo catalogue, yeah, man. Yeah, um, Earl's album, um, I don't like shit. I don't go outside. Yo, that's my mantra. That's <laughs> spoke to him on a spiritual level. Mitch, that's how I feel. Say so that again. I don't like shit and I don't go outside. That is you, bro. That is you, a T. That's why his weekly roundups are always the same. Bro, that is Pete to a T. I don't like shit and I don't go out. <laughs> anything has ever summed up Peter. <laughs> Unless it's the mandem, I don't like shit and I don't go out. Big up Earl, man. And make good music. Yeah, man. He nailed it for you, man. Nailed it. Yeah, I've got, I've got a couple more. Um, I feel like Tribes, Beats, Rhymes and Life um, would fit perfectly in Slum Village's catalogue after Fantastic Volume 2. Nice mm. shout. I, I was thinking about the love movement, but that sounds too final um, for it to be a Slum album. I felt like with, this, with Slum's catalogue, after every album, I still felt like something was coming up with Tribe. Maybe because of all the talk around the group when that album dropped as well. It feels mm. very final, which is why I didn't choose that. 
Um, but in revisiting Beach Rhymes of Life, I was like, yeah. I mean, that Dilla thing Dilla, well. yeah, Dilla, yeah, Dilla, you know, helps with production as well. So that probably fits the in. Hop, the Hop as a slum track would just be unreal. Yeah. That, that Someone needs to get that instrumental and slum lyrics. Mm. Put that, do yeah. that. Someone yeah. is listening, please do that. <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting. You said beach vibes of life because I was going to have, if you went midnight marauders, low end theory, and then if you put in De La Soul stakes is high, mm. rather than beach vibes of life, I think that is then a perfect, like perfect for five, like four album run. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I would, I would, I would say that is probably what I had was yeah. uh, stakes is high because. Again, it's that Dilla thing, yeah. stakes is high, and, and, and yeah, so it's that dark energy. And if Tribe ended it dark like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 well, they didn't end it, did they? They went to the love movement. But do you know what I mean? Like at that time, it felt like it'd been so long since Tribe had dropped anything. So, yeah. That'd be crazy, man. Yeah. I feel right. like also um, Drake's So Far Gone definitely could have been 808s and Heartbreaks Volume 2. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. That's, just, that's the vibe that I got from that. I was going to say Cuddy. You could put a Cuddy album in there after oh, yeah, as funny. well. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. that is, they're the same spirit, those things, I feel. Although, I've never understood the Cuddy appeal. I, never I, I, just, I just don't get it. I, I've never, I get I've it. never listened to Cuddy like that. He talks for the depressed loners of the world. But, yeah, my, a lot of my fam, a lot of my mates are well into it, man. And they're kind of depressed loners. <laughs> <laughs> they're not joking. They're not. They're not but, but like they, it's that um, vibe. And sorry to use that, but it is. It's not about. It's just about the feeling. I feel, and and I, I and I've been there at house parties where they're playing Cuddy, and it's like, yeah, actually, I'm getting it now. I'm, and that was the atmosphere. It wasn't in my headphones, like at home. I wasn't getting it. It's more in with people who liked it. I could get it now, and, I, and now I listen to his music, and I feel that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I think got one, I've got one more. I've got one more. Considering like. So right, I'm just gonna say it straight. So I feel like Commons like Water for Chocolate. If it was a Roots album, I feel how the Roots' catalog is talked about and received is completely different. Um, with that album particularly, like Water for Chocolate, it was made in that era of the Soul Query, and they were all, you know, together in studio. So like Common was in like Studio A recording that, D'Angelo was in Studio B creating um, Voodoo. And then like Erica was creating um, Mama's Gun as well. And then the Roots were in that studio as well, doing things for the part. So if like Quest or whomever else was at the helm of like Wolf Chocolate wasn't so giving and just was giving them all these like fire beats and that and kept it for the Roots, I think it would have been sick. I think it would have been sick. But yeah, that's just, that's just me. I can see it, man. I, I think that's probably one of the most seamless ones we've set so yeah. far. Yeah. Because... Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of that energy on that. That I'm trying to think where you'd fit in Roots. That's what I'm saying. I don't know, tipping point, or is it phrenology? I would think it's probably before phrenology and after things fall apart. Phrenology. I would scrap phrenology, scrap tipping point, maybe take three Ooh. songs off tipping point. Definitely scrap phrenology. Yeah. Yeah? Take yeah. that out and then put yeah. that in there? Yeah, yeah, Okay, okay, okay. That's if, a you throw, if you throw that in after things fall apart, man. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, after things fall apart, that's, that's, nice. that's the one. Yeah. That's yeah. the one. And it would work perfectly with that energy as well. I think that, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, nailed it, nailed it. Yeah, man. That'd be mad. Trust me. All right, well, I guess well, the main thing I've learned from this episode is to each his own. 
and subjectivity is key. That's, that's, what, what, makes, that's what makes hip hop hip hop, bro. That's I mean, it. Clearly, Absolutely. man. Clearly, Absolutely. Clearly. Your opinion is Cam's opinion, Peter's opinion. Big facts. It's all different. It's all different. Big facts, man. All right, man. We're gonna wrap up now. So, um, Cam, thank you so much for coming in to join us. Uh, we very much appreciate it. You're more than welcome anytime to come and just chop up and shoot the shit, man. Um, you're a friend to the pod, and man, long may that continue, man. But thank you. Thank I you really appreciate out. you guys, uh, man. I really, really appreciate you guys. I think. Uh, what you're doing is great. It's just an honour to come on, man, really, just to chat to other people. I love collabing. I love like listening to other people's points of views. And we had a few in this session, man. It's, honestly, it makes me feel differently. So I'll probably have to check that out again. So yeah, I'll be, yeah. I'll be the biggest Rick Ross fan now in the month. Hey, If you listen, if you listen, let us know what you think, because I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah generally, yeah. if you want to... Sure. It ain't going to be last time we hear from you. And What's the first yeah. Rick Ross project he should listen to? Teflon Don. Yeah. Definitely Definitely That's the one I keep. I remember that being big. That was a big one, wasn't it? Yeah, trust yeah, me. Yeah, man, absolutely. I genuinely want to hear your feedback once you listen. Yeah, man. I'll hit you up on Twitter or something, innit? Because I think that's quite nice. We get to link on there. and uh, Yeah, so we'll keep it moving, man. Definitely. We'll keep it moving. Yeah, sure, again, sure, man. man, hopefully we get to get you guys on the pod as well. Bring an album. We can chat. Yeah, man. Just get this series done. Yeah. Get some interviews. Um, I'll tell you off air which one we got next. I think you're going to like the next one. Yeah, man. We've yeah, got to do something. Basically, it's on the cards. Oh, on the cards. 100%, man. 100%, man. It definitely continues from here, man. And we're obviously big fans of you, yours as well. So just keep up the good work, man. And um, every, all the other podcasts out there, keep up the good work as well, man. Yeah, smashing it, man. For sure, man. But yeah, Peter Mo, anything else to share? I'm good, man. Salute to Craig. Salute to you, bro. Yeah, man. Let's just keep yeah, this rolling, bro. isn't it, man? I feel See. that. I remember when he doubt, what will Thierry do? That's a great way to end this podcast. No, it's not there. No, that is a great way to. What would Thierry do? Is the bro? Do you think? First of all, even know who Thierry is. Don't ever do that in your life. A lot of people might not even know who he is. Yeah, me. I'm gonna see you later, Pete. My guy. (laughs) One listener. One listener. One listener might have a relative called Thierry, and he's probably thinking, "Why is Mo telling me my cousin would do?" Henri's more important than that relative. All right, then. <laughs> Fine. But on that note, um, we're going to sign show. off. <laughs> Bro, on that bombshell, he's full of them. Um, but yeah, on that, we're going to wrap up. So um, thank you to everybody for listening. And uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you once again to Cam for joining us as well. Um, if you want to hit us up, we're on the socials at Ramsdams Pod. And uh, yeah, we'll be uh, back two weeks' time as well to do it over again. So until then, take care. Thierry do. And peace. Peace.